previously on Bad Radio. We have a new crew member today, Denise. Hi, everyone. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. My name is Rod, and I like to party. All right, Dave, you're up. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Dave, and uh, I like to party. Uh, no, Dave, I just said that I party, so maybe you do something different for me. My name is Dave, and I am the stuntman. You know what? Let's move on. Rico, you're up. Uh, hello, I'm Rico, and I like to party. Yeah. Uh, Rico, what did I just say to Dave? Who? Dave. I like to party. I'm Rod. No, you're Kevin. Right. Kevin. I party. No. No, you don't. Okay, nobody parties but me. Yes. And we party. No. Yeah, just Rod. Yes. And me. No. I'm the only one who parties. I'm pretty sure I've partied before. No, Kevin, I know for a fact you don't party, okay? You do not party. You're right. Dave's the party guy. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, my God. Shut up, okay? I'm just going to do it for you. Denise, this is the crew. Dave's the mechanic. Rico makes the ramps. And Kevin is team manager slash videographer. None of them party, right? Got it? Okay. Let's party. What if you were Norm's dentist? <laughs> Do you think that morning you call off? Yep. Like, can you call off if you're a dentist? Do you have a hazmat suit on? <laughs> Are you trying like, to get in there? This has got to be the weirdest thing Scott Cool. Would you let your today. assistant say, hey, uh, why don't you take this one today? I think you're ready. <laughs> you need to learn how to do root canals. Yes. <laughs> go, Harry. You got to focus, dog. Where's those plastic gloves? You don't need them. All right, here we go. Let right. your head back farther. Back farther. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I'm going to pour a little coffee in Norm's mouth out of my cup. Oh, my goodness. Here it comes. Three, two, one. Is that too much? Oh! <laughs> That's good. I can now say... You want a scone? Oh. I can now say I've actually oh, drank out of Dan's cup. That was a long way to go. No one else can it. say that. No, Norm. that's true. Just me and Norm have ever used this cup. Soulmates. Wow. I'm a patsy. I was set up by the Brits. A group of British builders operating outside the OC contacted me for a partnership to build homes overseas. I did not know they meant Iraq. We've got a picture of you with Saddam Hussein. I, I thought that was the guy who played the soup Nazi. Come on. I told him how much I liked his work. And you want to go after these people? Well, yes, it takes a little courage, Michael. I know that's not your strongest suit. You're, you're even... Scared to ask a girl out on a date. Wait, no, no, why does everybody think that I'm scared of girls? Because you're a chicken. You're oh, a no. chicken. Cuckoo kacha! Cuckoo kacha! Yeah. What are you doing? My yeah. and women? A cuckoo kacha! That's what I was just telling you. Look, I haven't found the right girl. When I do, I will ask her out. Has anyone in this family ever even seen a chicken? Cuckoo kacha! Wait, wait, I got the perfect name! That's enough. Oh, come on! Here we go. You're going to just love the way this memo starts out. October 4th, 1998. Dan, a couple of observations. One, you need to use much better discretion in your topic selection. Your willingness to run with the Hitler bid is one example. (laughs) (laughs) To run with the Hitler bid. Okay. You must be more sensitive. (laughs) Listening to some of your comments, one could gather that not only don't you despise the genocidal maniac, 
<laughs> but that your fascination was somewhat positive. <laughs> Boy, I hope this guy's got you pegged. Yeah, he does. I hope I don't need to emphasize how any appearance by you making light of him would be suicide. Don't fool yourself into believing that it's only, quote, buffoonery. You've stepped on that landmine before. Oh, what did we do before? Sure, I've been called a xenophobe, but the truth is I'm not. Honestly, just feel that America's the best country and all the other countries aren't as good. That used to be called patriotism. Rise and grind. Let's get this. Watch me work. Right about now, Sports Radio 96.7 and 1310 presents the Bad Radio Weekly Wrap-Up Podcast. This week, Corona kills the NBA, we love trash TV, and no, that was a good killer. Also, hashtag he's on my note, Julie Dads, a whole slew of bad radio producers, R.I.P. Bob and R.I.P. Donnie Duke. And now two guys that have an excuse now to bring their gas masks to work. It's Jake Kemp and Dan McDowell. Shut it down! Let's go! So grown, so huge. Get out of here. Find a control here, Bill. Man, I love football so much. You want the ultimate? You gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. Is this it? Is this it? Get up! no idea what to do right now yeah 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 greetings and salutations p1s and welcome again to another episode of the bad radio weekly wrap-up podcast covering the week of march 13th on this week's podcast we have nba canceled closed shutting down along with every other sport and venue and concert and convention everything Stay in your homes, get your pizza, get your Chinese food, get your liters of Coke, liters of cola, and watch, watch some, uh, some Pornhub, because it's, it's Coroni's coming to you, brah. We have NBA shutdown talk. We do have Dr. Edward Dominguez, though, to, uh, squill, squall, what do you, what is it? Squell, quell? He's here to talk about the, the Roni, and it's a very good conversation with Dr. Edward Dominguez. We also talk media access and locker rooms, because before everything was shut down, that was an issue. We have bad radio talk with Roger Staubach. We have some DFW Sports Today. We have a Des Bryant discussion. We have some stars talk. Killer tells a very Curb-like story. And we have Bachelorette finale talk. We start things off with the NBA closed. Really weird night last night, for sure. Yeah, I got off my couch and drove back up here. I know. I want to comment on that in a moment, but just there's a line between uh, panic and pragmatic, right? You don't want to be panicky, but you also just want to be logical and be smart. So is wiping down the studio panicky, or would you say that's pretty logical? I think it's kind of logical. And, of course, I'm enabling myself by telling myself that everything I do is pretty logical. So... Um, but it was very surreal last night 
because I will generally just sit down and watch some sports and kind of have the uh, the book open and I'm prepping the show. What are we going to do this segment? What are we going to do? What's Jake have ready? What do I have ready? What uh, is going on now that we'll get? And the problem was my mind between the end of our show and last night at midnight changed a hundred times on what we will be doing. Got up early and heard the musers talking about a ton of this stuff today, too. So some of some of their thoughts are in my mind. But it was just Junior read down the timeline of how things kept changing. And I kept thinking, in fact, I, it's hard to keep track in my head right now. But what time was it that, I mean, different sports are announcing different things, you know, like right at, oh, wasn't it right when we got off the air, the NCAA tournament said they would play without fans? Right at 3.30. So then I'm like, how does that affect my pool? Does Jake going to bet the under on all these games? Buddy, I tried. I tried to smash a six-team Big East tournament and ACC under parlay today, and the dang website blocked me out. That's your Mamba mentality. They knew what I was after. They're now against Mamba mentality. I know. Like a couple weeks ago, everybody's all for that. um, But it was a very surreal night. Certainly of show prep. So then when the NBA announcement came down and my ticket text message uh, informed me of that because I was actually watching the game a bit on delay. So as I was actually caring that Boban was on his way to a 31 point night, like what the hell? Like I'm worried about this game and the implications and all that kind of stuff. Once the NBA uh, announces suspension of their season. You know, obviously everything turned upside down then and it was I, I wanted to say I did run to the ticket as I was informed we'd be having a post game show or the post game show actually started before the game ended I think oh yeah there was a quarter left um and I heard them call Bob and by the way I was invited to call in but I couldn't find a spot number one <laughs> and then I just thought you guys were absolutely destroying and I didn't think I could what am I going to add? I'm guy on my couch trying to process all of this as well. Yeah, I did. And I thought I would be better handled to process it by noon tomorrow. To you, be honest, I knew that you probably weren't going to call. Uh-huh. I would have if every segment. It, you already had yeah. Donnie Nelson. You had Brian Curtis. Then you teased Corby. Then you teased, you know, it's. Well, what I mean is just that. I wasn't going to bump Brian Curtis. Right. I texted all of those people, Bob, you, Junes, a couple other people, but I knew that you don't live with your phone in your hand the way that maybe Bob or maybe I do. So Last I figured, night was a little different. But okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I just figured maybe he doesn't see this for half an hour, and by then we're, we're booked up. But I also... It was a few minutes. I didn't want to not invite you to, to, the, to the party, and then you today... No, I appreciate that, but you guys were outstanding. And I was telling Kat this this morning. The way I usually think of another radio show being really good is if I find myself pissed that my radio show isn't doing this. Like, uh... The hardline thought of that bit, or oh yeah, the musers had this guest on. Damn it, I want uh, you know, especially at our own barn, because then I'm like, oh, I can't get that guy on now because he was on this morning, and how come I didn't think of that yesterday, and all this kind of stuff. Well, every guest you had on, I'm like, oh, I'd like to have Donnie Nelson on tomorrow. Oh, Brian Curtis, what a great idea! We should have him on. Cuban, of course, I would want. You know, you guys really, it was great. It was a riveting listen. 
just as things were unfolding, you know, you're getting Cubans raw. Well, actually, ESPN got it very raw. And we'll play that later in, in the show for like right when he heard about it. And then he popped on ESPN. It was interesting just watching the Mavs game, too, because I thought I forgot it was on ESPN. I don't know if the dude who says Carlisle was announcing the game, but I, I just kind of totally forgot about that. So I'm watching Followell and uh, D-Harp and Skin, and they, you know, informed me and announced it. And it was just all just so surreal. And I've heard this compared uh, by the guys on the morning, and they're right. The, the only comparison I have as Radio Man is 9-11. In that we, we in particular, and sports, as we bring it macro in general, we are the escape from reality. If you don't like starving kids or uh, the stock market or just things going on in the world, uh, in those uh, pages in the newspaper that used to keep the sports section dry on a rainy morning, if you uh, went out to get your newspaper and... You're always happy because all that stuff I don't read anyway is is, is all wet, but uh, the sports section is dry because it's in here in the middle. I've always considered us, or I've always thought we were kind of the escape, and people will tell us that too, whether it's, uh, you know, I was going through some health problems or this or that was happening in my family, and but you guys are there. I could stop thinking about that crap, you know, and that's because then we take our sports really seriously, and we act like that is a, is a thing you care about. So it's uh, sports is our escape, and then we can be the escape for others, you know, who are dealing with other stuff. So it's 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 fun. It all works that way, right? That's why entertainment is valuable, or sports is valuable, or or we can deem uh, be lower on the value system, but still somewhat valuable. Well, now reality has stopped our world. They they they're messing with sports. Like reality, that's your escape from reality. But now it. You've reality has forced its way in. Yeah, and it seems to me like uh, over the last decade or so that that oasis of the toy aisle is probably mostly gone. What are you saying? Whether that's right or wrong, but it, it does seem to me that whether it's like I said, right or wrong, whether it's social media, whether it's globalization, it's a lot harder to avoid the interconnectivity of society, culture, economics, politics from sports now. have another update. We're waiting to hear officially about the NHL, but the MLB announcing that they have suspended operations indefinitely right now. Wow, and they don't start for two and a half weeks. But you know what I'm saying? That though? seems to be the direction everything's going. Yeah, the NHL has an announcement this hour, perhaps. Uh, yeah, sounds like they're going to do the same. The NFL has already issued some kind of things. Of Although, know. interestingly enough, the league year is still supposed to start on March 18th. So, I guess free agency and the tag deadlines are the same. I know that's way down the list of priorities right now. But, it almost seems like on Monday or Tuesday, we're going to need to come in here and talk about a DAC deal. While the rest of America is being told, don't leave your home. It's very surreal. But back to my other point. Does it not feel that way to you? You've been doing this long enough to have perspective. But uh, whether it's, you know, kneeling, the anthem, 
uh, you know. But I think you're still able, I'm able to block those things out to a certain extent. Kneeling in the anthem and you're right, China and whatever with well, the, the NBA. World Cup is being bit, built by slaves. I never, I, it's, not it's, something I remember but, people worrying about in the 80s. But I'm able to, you're still able to block that out because you got games going on and you That's got uh, this and I could ignore that because I'm worried about the Astros cheating or I can, but now we can't do that. We cannot, there is no ignoring when you've shut down the things that we sit there and act like are important. And it's not just sports. Obviously, it's non-essential. It's like non-essential personnel thing. You know, right? We talked last week about, or maybe even a couple weeks ago, about the new Bond movie being pushed back. Um, but and my mom texted me about that. Like that was her big takeaway from all this, at least last week. Was that her choice or Rose's? Because I know Rose went with Rambo. You want a little Rose update? <laughs> Hold on, real quick. All right, sorry. Um, we got so much. Are you aware that? Fast and Furious 9 has been postponed. Mm, that hurts. Now this is real? Now it's real. It's one thing if you cancel the NBA and MLB and the NHL, but yeah. I think it was supposed to open, what, this weekend? A week? And now Fast 9. Well, and that's got to be a... That's got to be a financial consideration, too, because they're just worried that people will... You know, stay home and, and may not have a choice because staying home. Yeah, staying home might be a uh, directive, but it's probably like a pragmatic choice. Again, not panic, but you want to do the least. You don't want to contribute to the possibility of uh, of the spread, which they're saying is just going to happen anyway. No matter what, there's going to be some kind of a spread. Can you limit it? And the social gathering thing is is the big deal there. Uh, my rose. Well, I'll give you it on the other side. I suppose we we're going to kind of keep talking about a lot of stuff today. Um, but I do want to heavily commend you guys on that post game show, dude. It was really, really awesome. Yeah, that's that's very kind of you. But I would say, and this is really weird to compare it, uh, whether nine eleven or Sean Bass and I were on the morning after the Dallas police shootings. I remember being out of town. Yeah, and almost relieved I wasn't working that day because it was just. Well, I was actually. I don't like here. to deal with reality. I was actually up here the night before doing a UFC show with Eli because they they told him he needed to have somebody to do it with. I was like, I'll do it, and we couldn't even leave until like eleven. So I'm up on my couch watching updates about this until one or two in the morning, and then I just back up here at four thirty. Last night I wasn't going to do post game uh, because I had a family health situation, not Roni related, and I needed to get home and take care of the kid. So Ryan Medlin was going to cover it, but as soon as Katz said, hey, you know, if you're down, you can come back up there. I'm not trying to be like, a, again, ambulance chaser here, but these are the times that this job feels the important. And a lot of times it doesn't because <laughs> we're J-O-ing, you know, clowning around. But I'm like, absolutely, man. Like, that's the most excited you're going to feel like you might actually be helping people in real time. So I jump at those sort of chances. I don't know about you, but that, I love that sort of stuff, man. Love it. I wouldn't want to do it every day, you know? Yeah, that seems a little macabre to love it. Well, I love But I understand like, what hey, you mean. I, I love feeling like people need this right now. And yeah. Sort of answering the bell type, type thing of it. You know, I would imagine people who cover war, you know, to go to the extreme, they would tell you I love my job. It doesn't mean that I love conflict. I just... I love. Yeah, does Delcus love hurricanes or does he love helping people through them? Tornadoes or does he love the fact that uh, 
they do turn to him at those times because it can uh, keep people safe or whatever. So. so I felt extremely fortunate to be a part of it, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's a very weird time for sports right now, as every moment, every 15 minutes or so, it's like a new story. Uh, Julie, you announced that Major League Baseball has suspended operations. The NHL is meeting currently. Um, they've announced they have also suspended operations. Ah, that's official. That is official. They say they are on hiatus with a hope that it will just be a short pause to protect player and staff health and safety. Well, and that's the thing. Once the NBA does it, uh, I was even thinking with the NCAA tournament. Like once they announce what they're doing, and I don't know if that's changed because I, I got to imagine that. we follow the money and and they're realizing I, we got to air the game somehow. So even with just a few, just two teams playing and no fans, that's what we need to have. It's not going to happen. You feel like that they will back off on that? Yes. Why? Just playing the games? I think the I believe the tournament will be postponed a month. Okay. Not canceled, postponed. If like we get the best outcome of the whole, you know, the buzzword of flattening, then yes, I, I could see them, you know, resuming most operations for most of these leagues in a modified format, in a, you know, in three to four weeks. But I would be stunned if that <clears throat> tournament starts on time and is played uh, as regularly regularly scheduled. That would be shocking to me. Do we have a golf tournament going on? Is uh, the TPC yeah. going on? Are fans there? I think it's going on without fans, but it's happening. Okay. That kind of makes sense, right? Golf. Players tournament, right? Yeah. Not, no fans for the final three days. So they are there today? I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. So <laughs> just news keeps coming down. So yeah, if you're another league... And you're saying all these other leagues have done this um, tournament that was scheduled for tomorrow here in Frisco? Conference USA tournament has been canceled. That's been canceled. Yep. I was even thinking that yesterday after the show because we were scheduled to go out there to do a remote. And are we going to... Yeah, are, are they... Once they see the NCAA do what they did, which was just say we're playing the games without fans. What are they going to do? Now, once the NCAA sees what the NBA did and the MLB and the NHL, I got to kind of agree with you here on the fly, as my opinions are changing as as time goes on, that, yeah, they'll just be like, well, we can't then be the ones that are not as safe as we possibly can be, so we're going to have to... The postpone a month seems to make sense. You reevaluate, reassess after two or three weeks. Does it need another postponement? Or do we say this thing is now, you know, now we deal with the uh, officials uh, at a very higher level as far as uh, the Center for Disease Control and all that kind of stuff as to, uh, well, what's your recommendation here? Yeah, and I think something that I kind of turn over in my mind is we're in here to try to have fun. Most of the time. And yeah, you know, a couple weeks ago, of course, there were jokes about the people that were on the cruise ship and porno companies offering them free porno. And it's not the plague. You know, most people live through it. The overwhelming majority. 
But if you're not recalibrating what you think about this based on every quarter hour changing the magnitude of the severity, then I guess I kind of don't know what to tell you. Because three days ago, I started hearing from people, you know, medical folk that started telling me things that I started to take very seriously. And I don't think that for the most part, I don't know how many doctor people you know, but most of the ones I know are not real prone to hyperbole. They tend to be very sober-minded, level-headed individuals. And once they started speaking in some of the terms that I started hearing, uh, I'm not saying you can't still you know, provide a little levity and do some gallows humor about it, but it became real clear to me in the last day and a half or two that we are in the middle of a full-scale societal shutdown with an economic event the likes of which probably most of us have never seen in our lifetime outside of and possibly even surpassing 9-11 due to the fact that 9-11 was a contained event, you know? I mean, it was horrific, but it was one event. This one, we have no idea how far the tentacles stretch. So really right now, try to tell yourself with a straight face that in two weeks, or when, is it, when would the tournament start? Two weeks, right? That they're going to play that tournament. Even in a limited format in front of no fans. With all that travel, I don't think that's happening. And as of what? Yesterday, Italy shuts down basically every non-essential business outlet. I think I read pharmacies and grocery stores. Are open. And here's another problem, too. The... I think I read. Right. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> like, there are actually fake stories out there as to what to do about this or how long this uh, COVID-19 could live on a metal surface or whatever. I think there's one floating around purported to be from Stanford. Yeah. That has uh, now been debunked. Uh my mind is like, how, why? What, what would be going through your mind as the end game of why I want to pen a fake story? Why do I want to write a fake story with a bunch of fake facts and have it go viral? What do I gain by that? I'm always like a, uh, it's a risk reward. Like, what's my reward? Have you seen the Joker? Like, there's a lot of people who just want societal chaos? Yes. What's their benefit? Well, what are they getting? The chaos. Because I, I understand act, trolls, and I understand uh, just them. a little fun, When, but I, I don't know. I just don't know the reward for telling you one thing about the flu, but it's not real. And I suppose anything that you see on Twitter, you should then go uh, give a quick search on internet about it, you know, <laughs> if you're, and you could, you can usually debunk things pretty quickly. Or a Facebook story that's uh, going around. Like, have we not learned that by now? That Facebook is full of... Sure, I don't think you should use it as a news source, but it can happen to any of us. You know, I mean... Oh, yeah. And you probably should look to triangulate... <clears throat> Boy, and, and I that's, sound like I'm coughing. Well, that's the point of the... Um, at least the older, olden days media... When they would talk about the New York Times or somebody doing a story, they would get three sources to check on it and make sure that 
make sure that before we put our name on this, this is solid and, uh, you know, people will know they can take this to the bank. And I think that's eroded over the years in the name of speed, right? Well, Instead not just of being the name correct, of- uh, it's being first. And being first has been held up to a uh, a level too high than it should be. It's. I always thought The Daily Show did it really good that they might be talking about something, but it would be the next day. They would not cover breaking news of that day because they kind of wanted to get it all correct in their ducks in a row. So it was never a breaking news thing, but it was a, this is the John Stewart Daily Show. I haven't watched it since he's been on it. Right. Um, well, it's not just the speed. That's certainly part of it, but also it is the proliferation of outlets and the absolutely non-existent barrier to publishing. Like that story that you're talking about, that wasn't published by a media outlet looking to be first. It's just a chain email or a Facebook post. You know what I mean? That's not necessarily like, oh, look, the Reddit journalist. can do that, right? Exactly. If you see a Reddit link. That's it. You know? So whenever it takes absolutely no lessons to get in the pool, you're going to have some people who can't swim. <laughs> and then you're the, it's on the rest of us to try to save them. And, and I usually do this stuff with trades or something in the NBA or the NFL or something. You know, a certain account will say this is happening. So now you have to go. I'll go double check it. Well, I can't find it anywhere on the web. So let's not believe it just yet. But those things are a little less significant. And I can kind of see having fun with that more than I can see having fun with. <laughs> what you need to do to present prevent getting the coronavirus, but maybe that just makes me old, not understanding. You know, because when you were a kid, you thought everything was a uh, fair game for a joke. Did you not? I did, but I would bet that that thing was not put together by a sixteen year old. That Stanford list. There are just people. For the way this P one puts it, who just tweeted us, my brother in law is one of these people who makes s up online. I asked him why. He said, "I just want to make a difference, even if it's a negative difference." <laughs> so you're just you're what just making lulls? an impact on the world, right? People will remember that I got a bunch of uh, right. media outlets. To, they wouldn't know, known you before at all. He now would have been an anonymous work. spare. Bad radio talks with Doctor Edward Dominguez here on the Buyers Barricades Ticket Hotline now. This is the infectious disease physician at Methodist Hospital to uh, help us answer some layman type questions because we are way out of our depths here. And, you know, let's talk to somebody who can answer just some some simple things, uh, we think. Again, the infectious disease physician at Methodist Hospital, it is Edward Dominguez. Dr. Dominguez, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for asking me, guys. Um, first off, um, what are your just general thoughts about what is going on in the world right now, how the sports world is reacting, how the city, is, city of Dallas is reacting, um, events are being canceled left and right. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I know that there's two schools of thought. There's the school of thought that we're overreacting uh, and the school of thought that we're underreacting. I tend to think that we're right in the middle. So I believe we're reacting appropriately. And, and I believe that the reaction in the United States and, and other places, particularly by the sporting world, is very appropriate given what we've learned about the coronavirus and how rapidly it spread throughout all 
areas of endeavor in China when it first started just about three months ago. We're only about three months into this epidemic and now a pandemic as of earlier this week. And that kind of uh, that kind of spread, that kind of rapid spread around the world, I think warrants um, unusual measures, as we're seeing now, which uh, will help to protect as many people as possible, minimizing the spread. This this virus cannot be spread unless people are together. I think that's the most important thing to know is that it doesn't just come by way of a breeze. You have to be around somebody who has it. And if we minimize the the you know the, the people gathering and potentially spreading it in small places then I, then I do think that will inhibit the spread of this virus okay common guy question for sure and we're going to have a ton of those is so if person who had it was in this room and I uh, used some things in here can I get it that way I'm not in the room with him you you probably could within about 1 to 2 hours of being in that room after an infected person is in the room. There was some data earlier this week suggesting that the virus can live several hours in the air, uh, many hours on, uh, and even several days on things like uh, table surfaces. Now, we know that other viruses don't routinely do that, and when they do those kinds of studies, they set up these experiments that may not be real-world situations. Nonetheless, we're advising people to wash down their surfaces and be careful about that. But we, we certainly know how infectious is this virus. It's estimated right now that for every person that gets this virus, on average, about two individuals will be infected by that one person. Now, compare that to a disease like measles, where about 18 people get infected by each measles patient. It's not nearly as infectious as measles and some other viruses, but it is pretty infectious. So if this is similar to the flu, why do we care so much if a bunch of people end up getting it and then they get they get better? That's an excellent question. The reason, two reasons, I think, and there may be more, but just very quickly off the top of my head. One reason is this is a new virus. And so we're all still trying to learn um we're all still trying to learn the what we call the natural history of the virus. Once it gets into the human body, where does it go? How long does it stay there? What organs will it involve? Right now, it seems to be a virus that pretty much limits itself to the respiratory tract. But in certain individuals with chronic lung disease and certainly those that are over the age of 65 or 70, those individuals seem to get very severe lung disease, even pneumonia. And then we've heard of the large number of deaths that have been caused by the virus. So that's one reason why we're very concerned about it. Um, the second reason is unlike influenza, and I, I'm so glad you brought that up, influenza, which is still in the community, and we're still more likely in the U.S. to get influenza than we are to get coronavirus. Influenza is a preventable disease, potentially, with vaccines, and it is a treatable disease with drugs like oseltamivir or Tamiflu. And there's one other drug, at least, and, and really actually four drugs on the market, one that we use the most to treat that. Having said that, we have no drugs and we have no vaccines currently that are approved or studied for coronavirus. So th that is a huge way in which this particular virus is different than influenza. And uh, speaking of, by the way, this is Dr. Edward Dominguez with us here on the ticket. He is a uh, infectious disease uh, physician over at Me uh, Methodist Hospital. Speaking of the flu, do we know anything about the coronavirus and its heat resistance or lack thereof? 
Yeah, it is heat resistant. It can be it can be killed with uh, with moderate amount of heat, just like anything else. Warm water and soap are perfect to get rid of this virus on a hand. You don't need to have hand sanitizer. A lot of places are selling out of that, but they're not selling out of soap. And we have an abundance of water, at least for now. So I think hand washing remains a very critical part of this. Uh, the heat uh, is going to work as well. Ultraviolet radiation may well work on this. I actually worked many years ago when I was in training in Houston uh, on a coronavirus a type, the one called OC43, which is completely different than this one. Now, those coronaviruses cause about 30% of the common cold, and we were able to kill that coronavirus very easily in our laboratory. It was really easy to work with, but we noticed with that virus that it was also older individuals who had chronic lung disease who seemed to develop more significant disease uh, compared to younger individuals. So the younger individuals either had no symptoms or had a mild cold. We're starting to see that, that pattern with this coronavirus, that really it's the most vulnerable, older, and chronically ill individuals that are the highest risk. Now, other people can get it, young people with immune deficiencies, cancer patients getting cancer chemotherapy, patients with uncontrolled HIV infection, and you know the usual suspects of people who, who are at risk for a number of different infections, including influenza. To follow up on that one, though, what about just, <clears throat> excuse me, as far as it is the term like flu season is this something that you could see as we get further into spring that 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 has an effect on the spread of the virus or do we just not know we don't know but we believe again a wonderful question we're already seeing and i hope you you've heard that in china if if the data are to be believed in china the number of cases is starting to decline fairly significantly and other pl- parts of the uh, of the world have reported leveling off on the number of new cases or even declines in the number of new cases now there's probably two reasons for that in the northern hemisphere we're starting to enter the spring season people are out and about rather than in uh, smaller rooms or homes or other situations where there's recirculated air Secondly, uh, we've instituted, I mean, really a very aggressive infection control and public health measures that I think are also helping to limit the spread. But to, to your point, yes, I do think that this is going to be a seasonal virus like most of these viruses are. The big question that many of us have is what are we going to see next year? So the vaccines that we're developing this year are not going to be very helpful until later in the season, if at all this season, uh, but they may be very helpful next year when there could be coronavirus recirculating. We don't know enough about whether that's going to happen or not yet. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to ask. Like, what will this be like when we say, okay, we're done with this? Uh, Will this will every year be another coronavirus strain? But we have a way to because there are lots of flu. There's lots of flu out there. And every year there's a way to kind of deal with it. But we still there are many thousand deaths a, a year in the U.S., right? With the flu. Uh, yes, sir. Typically, forty to 50,000 deaths on, in a really bad flu year. That's correct. That's, that's something that I don't know that a lot of people were well aware of. I certainly wasn't uh, before. So, l- like, like I said, like, what do you see as the end of this, and, and what will life be like at that point? 
Well, if we can take a little bit of learning from other epidemics, respiratory epidemics, the 2009 H1N1 Mexican flu, uh, which is now included in the annual flu vaccine. It's one of the components of the of the vaccine we get every year since 2009. Um, and then also from SARS back in 2002 through 2004, that SARS virus kind of went away and has not recurred. We haven't seen it raise its head again. Whether this SARS virus, because its official technical name is SARS-2-CoV, uh, even though we call it COVID-19, this is related to the very first SARS virus. A lot of us are hoping that like that first SARS virus, we will only see one at the most two respiratory tract seasons with it, and then it mutates and it doesn't cause disease anymore or it's well-contained. We don't know that yet, though. This one certainly is way more extensive than the original SARS virus, and it acts like a virus that could be with us for, for the next flu season. The concern we have right now is that as we're entering spring, the Southern Hemisphere is entering their fall and their winter, and this virus may well be transmitted. We've already heard of one famous actor in Australia who has had to stop filming a, a film because he has the virus down there. So we know it's in the Southern Hemisphere. It begins to spread down there as they're entering winter. We could see a resurgence of the virus below the equator, and then it could easily come back to us next year, which is what happens with the flu. It bounces between the equators during the, um, the varied respiratory tract seasons. So it's, it's too soon to know whether this is going to act like the first SARS virus and be contained or whether it's going to act like the influenza virus and bounce back and forth every year. Um, but we're all, we're all waiting to see. And there's not a lot that humans can do to change that behavior, I might add. There's not really any policy or any medication. This is nature, and we're having to react to nature. So if somebody who, who has this virus um, was preparing your food, would that be dangerous to you? I would not be concerned about preparing food. And I think I think as we heard from uh, even though there's been a little bit of dispute about this with the the travel uh, restrictions from people in Europe, that didn't apply to goods. It doesn't apply to people delivering something from a uh, any kind of mail order delivery, leaving it on your doorstep and you not interacting with the delivery person. That particular whatever you're receiving, clothes, food, whatever it may be, it's unlikely that you're going to get. Uh, transmission through those things. Now, it could happen because we've talked about the virus living on surfaces, but living on paper bags, living on cardboard boxes, we know that that can happen, but it's not likely to happen uh, efficiently because those things are sitting outside for periods of time. Uh, nature, uh, ultraviolet radiation, even the heat, as one of you brought up earlier, may impede the ability of that particular virus on whatever box it is or food it is to be spread to you. Now, that kind of spread through food and through water has not been described with this virus. And I think that's really important to know by touch, human to human touch for sure. But but other types of contact, it hasn't been described, at least not efficiently. Well, that's another dumb guy question I had because um, we were debating whether or not to go to the gym. And at our gym, we have a pool. What if I went swimming in the pool? Would that be advised? Yes. So the pools are going to be chlorinated or, or they'll have salt in there. And, and remember, they're going to kill. So there's no algae and, and, and those kinds of things. And even free water. I don't think there's going to be a, a, or a fresh water. I wouldn't have concerns about that. I, I just finished working out myself. And, and, and in the gym that I was at, uh, everybody was cognizant of it. A couple of people were wearing masks. 
um, a lot of people, everybody, frankly, was using the the available wipes, uh, the chlorhexidine wipes, to wipe off their equipment. I've never seen people do it as as uh, rigidly as I saw today, and I was very encouraged to see that, and I did it as well. So I think as long as you and your whoever you're working out with and the people in your gym are, are all taking the proper precautions, which we should probably be doing anyway to decrease the risk of staph infections and other things, even when there isn't a pandemic, I think that that's going to be more than adequate to protect yourselves. Well, that does not sound like panic to me if the uh, infectious disease physician at Methodist Hospital went to the gym. That does not you, you, that 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 makes me feel better. I don't have an excuse now, though. Yeah, now you have to go to the gym. You can't. Uh... Well, so when should you not go to the gym, gentlemen? When you should not go to the gym is when you have a fever, a cough, or the sniffles. That's when you should not go to the gym. Now, if somebody else is in the gym with those symptoms, then I might uh, I, I might not confront them. That's. That, that's up to you. I wouldn't do it. I would just uh, pick up my stuff and I would leave and find uh, an well, alternative way of working out. But I, I, I'm hoping that one of the things, and I, I really laud you on your public service announcements. I was listening as I was waiting to speak with you. I laud you on how well you're getting that message out there. And everybody takes personal responsibility. And, and if we do that, I think that's another uh, another thing that will help limit the spread. And having listened to your station for a long time, I know that your listeners are very responsible. So you, you mentioned in there in gym talk that you saw a couple people wearing masks. Is that advisable? I don't think so. I wasn't going to advise. Now I don't know if they had the sniffles or not. Uh, and if they had the sniffles, they shouldn't have been in there to the in the first place. But I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. I certainly didn't work out on the equipment that they were working out on. Uh, so I, I opted for other options. Um, but I do think that I believe because they neither one of them looked like they were ill. They both looked like they were just being ultra protective. And, and if that's what it takes for you to feel comfortable, I'm not going to dissuade people from doing it. The CDC tells us that we don't routinely need to be wearing masks right now. But having said that, I never dissuade my patients, my colleagues, my friends, or your listeners, that whatever it takes for you to continue your activities of daily living uh, and to protect yourself to the degree you feel comfortable, then, then do it. You know, perhaps one of these individuals is somebody who is taking a medication to suppress his or her immune system for some, for some issue. And for them, it made perfect sense, but I, I don't know that. And last thing real quick here, doctor. If, let's last say thing you, from you. You I do a experience a, a light fever. Is the proper protocol to call your primary care physician first, and, and that, that's where you start that path? Because we hear so much about overcrowding in hospitals and stressing uh, the system out as far as beds, respir- uh, you know, uh, oxygen, the like. What is the move if you feel just that, that first little stage we've heard about? That's it. You nailed it on the head. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, call your physician before you show up, please. That way they can make uh, they can make appropriate arrangements. I think all of us, who at least those of us with children, know that when you take your child to the pediatrician, there's the room for the sick children and there's the room for the well children. Well, you're going to see something like that probably in the short term for all physician offices uh, in healthcare places, even the emergency rooms of people who are febrile and possibly sick with COVID and then the people who are unlikely, they have a broken bone or something else, and it's clearly not COVID related. So there's going to be this cohorting of patients in almost every environment, but you can help by calling ahead of time and letting people know, look, I've got this, so this is the reason why I need to be seen. 
If you have no symptoms, but you just want to be tested, please don't go to the hospital. You can talk to your talk to your primary care physician and again, call them ahead of time. Uh, the tests are not widely available yet, but we're hoping that that will change by next week. Uh, hypothetically, if you had a 15 year old daughter who wanted to do a sleepover tonight with five other kids, would you do it? I would ask questions of the uh, host of the sleepover. I, this is where keeping in contact and knowing the, the families, the, uh, the environments. Yeah, I think if they were my neighbors and everybody's fine in the neighborhood, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But I would ask questions. Have anybody in the family traveled? Are any of the other kids, have they traveled? Um, I, would, I would ask questions before I would in, uh, encourage the sleepover. If I felt comfortable, then I'd go ahead and let her go. And if you are somewhat healthy, but you could still be a carrier, right? How long would you be carrying that within you? Potentially for 14 days from the time that you were exposed, but a lot of people may not know when they're exposed. That's the critical, uh, that's the critical point. Don't know when you're exposed, so you don't know when to start counting those 14 days. Um, so, and, and at this point, we don't have widespread enough testing to, to look for the, the well-infected individuals. Once we have that widespread testing, we'll be able to answer that question better. But um, that's a really hard question to answer. It's the toughest one you've asked so far. I don't have a good answer for that one. Well, Dr. Edward Dominguez, we really appreciate your time. We could probably keep asking you questions for another half hour, but, uh, you know, we got to go. So thank you very much for your time. My privilege. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, sir. Uh, Dr. Edward Dominguez, the infectious disease physician physician at the uh, Methodist Hospital. Bad Radio Talks, media access, and locker rooms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what it's like having a Roni. Coming up on 2 o'clock like? here on Sports Radio 96.7 and 13.10. Is this the Vanilla Ice thing? Yeah. It's Jake and Dan, Bad Radio. Is he referring to Corona? <laughs> Probably not. To tell the future. No, I mean the, the beer. Is that what a Roni is? Interesting. In 1989 or whenever he's doing this? No idea. But I do know that... Uh, <laughs> I love this song. Sometimes it's not necessarily uh, a silver lining. It's more of uh, an insurgent, a Trojan horse. And a lot of people uh, dead from coronavirus. Yes. But it appears that if we're looking for positives, it may be the, uh, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back on finally ending the insane American tradition of having media right next to a player's locker room to ask them questions while they're hanging dong. Yeah, so they put out a joint statement yesterday. You had heard like little whispers that, oh, this might restrict media access in locker rooms. In fact, last week I think the NHL did it. Am I wrong, Julie? Yeah, they were the first ones to do it. It was, what's today, Tuesday? They did it like Saturday or just a few days ago. But yesterday, MLB, MLS, NBA, and NHL issued a uh, collective statement that basically they will be closing all team locker rooms and clubhouses. They will be open only to players and essential employees of teams. So you are about to find out. <laughs> My buddy who works for the Cavs has worked there for like 17 years. Let's, uh, let's see how essential you are. Uh, until further noticed, 
Media access will be maintained in designated areas uh, outside of the locker room and clubhouse settings. These temporary changes will be effective beginning with tomorrow's games and practices, which I believe this was put out yesterday. So tomorrow is today. It's actually Wednesday today. We will continue to closely monitor the situation and take any further steps necessary to maintain a safe and welcoming environment, which leads us to controversy. Because I think, I don't know, I was reading a bunch of the comments, Twitter comments, after it was announced this weekend, the NHL bit. And then it was even announced that the NBA is, like, looking into it. Uh, Woj put out an article as well uh, about that, that the NBA is limiting their locker room access. Got to stay six feet away from the players, right? Is that true? Yeah. Teams are instructed to create a six to eight foot distance between players and media in availability sessions, which will occur outside of the locker room. That's apparently where it doesn't have the strength. It doesn't have the range range to hit from outside. It feels very silly. I mean, you're going to be in an arena arena with 15,000 people, right? Yeah. That's why it seems like this is just more of an effort to protect the players. Because generally, you're not supposed to be with, like they say, it spreads within six feet of somebody. So they're keeping everybody away from the players. But if you just go to the game, you're way closer than that. Yeah. Next to everybody around you. Well, the controversy is with the media that go to the games, and especially a lot of the beat reporters and whatnot, saying this will be bad for the fans. And this will be bad for them and their job because that locker room setting is where they can develop personal relationships and they can really get more info than they would if everybody went to a podium because then you're just in front of everybody and, you know, the physical distance actually is manifested in in perhaps the answers that you give as well, you know. And I have always disagreed with that. I've always thought locker rooms being open is kind of silly. Like, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable with nude guys walking around. I know now the NHL has changed things in the past, at least since we started going on Stars trips and whatnot. It seems like they now have a changing area and then another locker area. Like they go get naked in another room. Right. They don't get naked in the room where the media is. So they've been able to navigate that and things have gone well, right? We're still able to write stories and figure out what's going on with the team. But they also still do give interviews at their locker, though, even if it's not a nude locker. Yeah. So that's the difference? Whereas in my understanding is that in most European soccer settings, they have an area and it doesn't necessarily have to be a podium, but it is a separate little room. I mean, we continue that we consider them to be entertainers and whatnot, and we pay money for our entertainment dollar. And then, does the media have an over? How would you say it? A too big of a sense of importance of what they do, because. It's not like you're allowing the Hollywood media to be on the set of movies, or are you? Or, or do they go into the trailers, and, and that's where they really can get inside the mind of Tom Cruise or whatever the 
I mean, how does that all work? You don't just have mm-hmm. access to a guy right when he's taking a shower while he's filming a movie. Seems like it's always in the lobby of a hotel, right? When you read those profiles. Yeah, but certain teams like the Stars are very reliant upon that coverage to help them succeed as a franchise. I don't think you could say the same for a lot of movies. How does that help them succeed as a franchise? The publicity. They need it. I mean, they need the media coverage. But I I think what I'm saying is, could they do it at a podium? Yeah. Or a little table or something? I'm just saying when you compare it to Hollywood, I don't know. But it's the same. But I don't know. I mean, I kind of go back and forth on this because I do think if you're Bob, for example, right, and you write the best Cowboys stuff around for understanding the team and appreciating or forming your own opinions of the team and somebody who's going through it like he works for the team. Bob doesn't, I don't know, when's the last time Bob was in a Cowboy locker room? Quite some time ago. Do you need to ever be? Do you need to be on a movie set well, to to uh, review the movie and decide if it's a good movie or not? Yeah. So that's the other thing is that there do are you times. Need to be totally in, different movies. But do you need to be in the room and talk to a guy to just determine what his worth is to the team? No. But what if I wanted to read a story about how that movie was made? I would then need to talk to the people who made it about how they made it. So I think whenever you're talking about profiles and pieces that help you get to know the players, uh, Levi Weaver at The Athletic does uh, a deal called Five Things. It's really goofy and quirky, but it's very entertaining, where he just hands a Rangers player a card with five things on it. Could be anything. Type of music, a food, uh, waiting in line, whatever, and just talks to them about it. And it makes them seem like normal people. But I Definitely think that we overrate how important it is to be in the locker room most of the time. And I wonder if those same human interest type stories could not still be gotten if it was just, uh, I don't are know, th- in, the, in the tunnel afterwards. Are those, are those on, stories on the, on necessary the, the phone, maybe? to anyone? Because Levi wasn't doing that a few years ago when the Rangers were in the World Series, yet they were still selling out every game and... I think if everybody love the Rangers. Maybe if you're a fan and you want to learn more about your team and the guys that play on it, then maybe those types of stories help. But I certainly am more interested in the types of stories that can be told by watching the game. Yeah, and I also would bet that this is going to become permanent. I think that's what the media is kind of panicking about a little right. bit they worry this is the first step and then the players and the teams will say well this is kind of nice we don't have everybody loitering all around the locker room and then they're never back in there and that's why this bigger debate has happened right now which seems like kind of weird timing it's like let's just do this for a little bit see what happens and then worry about it you know i don't know but they're just seeing the future and they're probably right, right. yeah and i've always wondered why we do it this way anyway yeah and I do think close access can ha- be detrimental sometimes, too, because you can't, you know, you've heard about, uh, was it Dez going off on John Jock, or who was it? Yeah. Fix this s***, bitch! Uh, that one was Robert Klemko. John Jock, I believe, was uh, uh, Roy Williams. Yeah, left him a note, because he read some stuff he wrote about him, and then now he's trying to get in his head, and maybe the next time around he's writing something. It wasn't John Jock. It was, uh, yeah, 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 it was John Jock. I'm sorry. I thought uh, it was. 
But maybe I'm wrong. No, I, th- I think you're right. But, but wasn't it Dez? I thought it was Dez. Dez was Klemko, the okay. one that, okay. that he's playing. No, he's right. There, Roy Williams, the receiver. Yeah, but it's happened more than once. I think it was yeah. Roy Williams' safety as we But But whoever just... it is. No, but whoever it is, player upset at what you wrote about me, now maybe you're going to write a little softer or something. You know, the, sure. So it's not always, you know, to the player's detriment. I guess that they have close access. But I, I would I would contend that over the phone and at a podium you can still get pretty cool stories. It's it's t- I, it's I, definitely I, tougher though. It's tougher. It's like having an in studio guest versus. Well, that's a good comparison. That's a, true. It's certainly much guest. easier whenever someone's in person. But I mean, if you're talking about pre- <laughs> you know trying to prevent a global <laughs> a, a pandemic for right. now, I think we just kind of got to go with this. Did you see the uh, San Jose Sharks? I yes. guess the city has said you can't have any gatherings over a thousand people. Is it? It they is. They banned that for like the next week at least. And and their next game, they they're off on a nine game road trip, so they're not going to be back for a little while. But this could affect them at the end of March, where they're playing in front of an empty arena. Well, how do they decide on a thousand? Does that not give you some sort of short circuit brain of that this is the corona cutoff? Right. Well, so eight hundred, you're cool. <laughs> Twelve hundred, everybody's dead. Right. We just have nobody there. Well, that's a nice, beautifully round number. <laughs> it's that is what it feels like, right? It just feels like uh, that. that round there was no research bias. put into that at all no, because I, you've either seen a thousand or five thousand. You haven't seen. Uh, Bad radio talks with Roger Staubach. This one, of course, is Roger Staubach, and now I'm seeing, because I didn't know why I saw Jeff's picture on here. <clears throat> Apparently, Jeff interviewed Roger Staubach. What a hard-hitting fastball uh, type situation that probably was. So he's warmed up on the softball, uh, the, the slow-pitch softball thing, and now we're ready to really fire some fastballs, because here he is. Uh, oh, and Jeff joins us, too. It's Roger Staubach, the great Roger Staubach. <laughs> Jeff did this to me earlier. Would you like the elbow bump? <laughs> a little bash? I guess, yeah. I don't, I don't know if... I, I totally do. I just uh, want to bow. I, that's kind of my new thing. I'm, I might bow to people. To yeah, I was meeting everybody before the... Uh the dinner and everything, the lunch, and uh, that, you know, the, everybody's afraid of shaking hands, uh, which I guess is the right thing right now. So. I guess it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I've met you in the past, but my name's Dan. This is Jake. Hello, and, sir. Uh, really, really enjoy uh, you know you coming over and talking to us. Or I, I enjoy the fact that you will do it. I hope we all enjoy <laughs> yeah. uh, the discussion here. Um, I don't want to start so cliche, but. We were just talking about Dak and contract and all that kind of stuff, and I love hearing about. Uh, I love hearing about it probably more than you guys loved living in the old days of negotiating with Tech Schram, and uh, you know I would I would read that Joe DiMaggio would hit forty home runs one year and hit thirty nine the next year and take a pay cut, and I, you know you can't imagine that in today's world, of course, uh, like. Where's your head at when you see what's going on nowadays with Dak and the Cowboys? Well, I start out uh, in the old days. My first year was twenty-five thousand dollars, and I think uh, they've moved up. The, they've added a few zeros to the. Uh, <laughs> did you negotiate that yourself, or did you have an agent? Well, I was. Uh, I negotiated it. Um, uh, I, the agent was a uh, captain in the Navy. Uh, he was a legal officer, and because Dallas and Kansas City. 
but they both drafted me, and I signed a letter of intent to play for the Cowboys. And uh, in my contract, when I got out of the service, uh, is when I got out of the service, I would join the team, and it was for twenty five thousand. And they paid me uh, also like five hundred dollars a month uh, while I was in the Navy, and because of the because uh, I was drafted by two teams, so I was. And, and it wasn't a big draft. I mean, I was drafted late in it because they didn't even know how I'd play again. When, when I was uh, 23, I didn't know I'd, yeah, I'd be playing at 27. So uh, I didn't really have an agent or anybody to negotiate a contract. But once I joined the Cowboys, I uh, I had a real good uh, lawyer in town, Roy Coffey, that helped me on uh, on contracts. But the big money came with TV in the in the uh, in the 80s. It really started to take off. The 70s was still reasonable <laughs> compensation but the money started to uh, go into the owners and they uh, ended up uh, paying bigger contracts also so the fact that you were drafted before the merger means that you got you had that leverage i have another team i could go to well that was the, that was the only thing yeah because alice wanted me to either play you know play for one of those if i ever leave the service so i didn't have to leave the service and uh, but they uh, they negotiated uh, what it would be if I ever uh, played again. How weird is that? I always find that weird too. You went away. You went to Vietnam your first year out of college. Well, I was uh, I've spent a year uh, doing other things. Then I went to Vietnam my second year. I was in Da Nang in July uh, for a year. And were you? On the front lines and things like that. I was a logistic in- uh, logistics guy, and we supported the Marine Corps that surrounded the I Corps area that we were in in Da Nang. And the Marines were uh, that's sixty six, sixty seven. The Marines were uh, they both basically controlled the I Corps area, of South Vietnam, and we we were the naval support group that supported the Marines. So I wasn't getting shot at, uh, um, and I was uh, I, I lived in a. Actually, I lived in a, a camp called Camp Tinshaw in, in Da Nang, and I lived with uh, some SEALs and uh, swift boat guys and some Marines. And, and I asked the SEALs one time when they came back, they, I said, uh, uh, what you guys do? Where, where, where were you? And they, they were, these were former teammates of mine at Navy. <laughs> and they said, well, let me tell you, Roger, we, we can't uh, – we, we, we had to tell you everything as a quarterback, but uh, we can't tell you a thing right now. <laughs> But uh, the only thing we can say, we're doing a hell of a lot more than you're doing right now. <laughs> so that so that made me feel really good. <laughs> and, and you had a Heisman. You have a Heisman. Yeah. Like, are you the most famous guy over there? Is is everybody going nuts when they meet? Well, they 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 knew that I was playing uh, Navy football, and I I would uh, at, at Camp Tinshaw, we actually had a little dirt uh, area over there. We would uh, I would toss the football around with a few guys now and then. So uh, yeah, they knew I was a football player and everything. Growing up around here, um, you know, I think for most little boys, the two jobs you want are quarterback and army man. And when I found out as a Cowboy fan that Roger was actually not only in the Naval Academy, um, but went away from football after winning a Heisman to, to deploy, um, Dan mentions it that people knew. But I also know how the military is. Was anybody like sarcastic about it, sort of jealous? Anybody give you, you know, crap about it? Like, oh, it's quarterback guy, anything like that? Or was everybody just generally pretty respectful about it? Oh, about the uh, the fact that you were a Heisman winner who is yeah. now among their mitts was anybody kind of like oh I'm going to kind of take a run it, it, at this it was, guy it was more positive than anything yeah they were you know proud of the fact that uh, you know I won a Heisman trophy it was uh, I didn't I really uh, was was pleasantly 
uh, surprised. Uh, you know, we, we had a really good uh, season in 1963, and and so the Heisman. Uh, I told I told the team. I said, that, you know, when I went up to get the Heisman, uh, or when they told me I won the Heisman, I, I said I'm going to divide this up uh, for for all you guys. They're still waiting for the pieces of it, uh, <laughs> but but uh, but it really was a team thing. The the Navy team uh, uh, that that you know I uh, made the promises to uh, are really proud of the fact that uh, the '63 Heisman came to the Navy team and it came it came to me. They 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 were a part of it. Uh, we we really we really had a if we didn't have a good season that year, I wouldn't have won the Heisman Trophy. And some of those guys ended up in Vietnam with you. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Where do you keep the Heisman? On the hood of my car. I got it driving along and Dan. <laughs> no, it's it's uh it's at home. I got I got an office in our house at home and I got it sitting in there. Yeah. Just sitting out in the open. Yeah. What's on it? There's something on it, isn't there? Well, yeah, I don't wanna Jeff Jeff is, We give him yeah. a hard time because the Medal of Freedom's hanging on it right now. Oh, okay. Until, until it finds a, a, okay. a proper frame. When you said that, I yeah. thought he threw an old pair of underwear on there or something. Like that's okay. No, it's some, something you're you walk uh, in there and you see it. You're like, well, okay, that's the oh, that's the Medal oh, of wow, the Heisman, yeah, the uh, Medal of Honor, amazing. Um, a lot of pressure growing up is Roger Staubach's son. Uh, plenty, but I, I think there's pressure for for you know, everyone to perform, but, um, I just grew up, it was kind of, it was normal. It was, uh, that's probably the most common question I get is what was it like growing up? And I said, well, I just don't know any different. Um, but the good news is one of my good buddies in college was Ben Quayle and uh, Dan's son and, and vice president Quayle's son. And he was talking to his mom one time and, and, and she said, you probably, you and Jeff probably have a lot in common. And he says, yeah, but everybody likes Jeff's dad. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, if it's, if it's political, it's different. Um, no, I never put pressure. I mean, Jeff Jeff uh, played football his senior year in high school at Jesuit, and he was became the starting guard on the team. And the reason he decided he wanted to play football is because of his girlfriend. That's not and, true. <laughs> and and but he was a heck of a baseball player. So he played baseball in high school and college. And I played uh, against Dan, I think. So <laughs> way back in the men's league, men's senior league. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty high level. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so we understand what you've been through, Roger, uh, as far as pressure. Right, the uh, the high competition. You've raised uh, some successful kids, though, so that's that. That must be feel pretty good too. I have uh, two daughters, and feel like I'm doing a pretty bad job. Uh, but uh, maybe you should write a book about it. Yeah. And tell us what you did. Well, we've got five children and fifteen grandchildren, so uh, all the. The, we got three, actually three great grandchildren too. So it's our oldest granddaughter's got three, three little boys, six, four, and and zero uh, in almost, almost one. six months. Yeah. Do you, so. Do you still do the uh, the annual football game, uh, the Thanksgiving? Day we game? do. Yes, we do. Yeah, and I uh, I get my shoulder ready for that. Thankfully, I can still. I can't run like I used to, but I can still throw a little bit. Okay, you're well, the all-time quarterback. Yeah. One, one year we uh, we were getting ready to play and. Uh, he had a, he couldn't grip his thumb was hurting him he couldn't grip the ball so he called his he called the doctor and said I need to get a cortisone shot and the guy was like are you serious for the Thanksgiving Day football game and uh, so he went in there and got a cortisone shot for our Thanksgiving Day football game because he wanted to be able to you know, get a proper grip on the ball it's a commitment so this is Roger Staubach uh, Jerry Jerry Jones uh, was talking the other week and as part of his real long he had like an hour and a half sit down with the media and part of that. They started asking him about the Ring of Honor and uh, when are some more of the 
the guys from your era going to be recognized or if they would. And he said he actually will visit with you and bounce th- you'll bounce things off of him. Is that accurate? Do you, do you guys talk about that? Do you give him your advice on what he should do? Not really his advice, but there was, uh, you know, in the past uh, that, you know, they uh, probably he's maybe thinking about the, uh, with you know, the Coach Landry days because the, the coach, you know, I, I, I think Jerry Jones uh, really, the, the, the Coach Landry thing was not the way it really happened. I don't think Jerry had any intention of trying to embarrass Coach Landry or do anything. He he had, he actually admired Coach Landry. And Coach Landry uh, had some other people telling him that, you know, that don't go into the ring of honor. And uh, and I, you know, I, I mentioned, I said that the coach, uh, you know, the coach, you know, you're, you're Mr. Cowboy. You're, you're the reason the Cowboys are what they are. You've won 20 years in a row and you had, you know, a little rough time at the end. I said, but you're the best. You're the, and, and you, you need to be in that ring of honor with, with, uh, you know, with the privilege that we have. And so uh, that, that was, uh, uh, that was the, uh, probably the only time I, I, I mean, I've, I've loved to get a lot more of my teammates in the, in, in the Ring of Honor, but but Jerry uh, really wanted wanted Coach in there, and uh, I think think uh, you know I, I was able to get Coach thinking differently than than uh, what he what he did at first, and and said he would go into the Ring of Honor. Okay, so you're referencing the fact that Jerry was photographed with Jimmy Johnson before he even fired Tom Landry. It's like. <laughs> He didn't want it to go down that way. You're saying no. He there's no no question that he did not want. He wanted to sit down and meet with Coach Landry and and talk to him and uh, and uh, the the it, it it didn't turn out that way. And I and I don't think he really tried. He did not try to hurt uh, Coach Landry. He had he 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 really he I mean he told me this and I heard it from other people. He really admired Coach Landry. I wonder about your relationship with Dwayne Thomas. This is just kind of out of left field, but we got to know him a little bit uh, yeah. a few years ago, and I thought he was a great guy. And certainly, um, boy, for those who don't know, and I'll bet you that's a ton of people listening, Dwayne Thomas was a running back, and one year, a year that you won the Super Bowl, uh, he decided he would not speak to the media, right, from training camp on. Right. And uh, he never spoke until I believe Tom Brookshire interviewed him after the media or after the Super Bowl win. Super, 71 season. Right. And I think yeah. uh, his answer to him was evidently. Uh, I can't remember the, the exact question, yeah. but it was uh, but that was the first word he said all year. And, and I just wondered what that scene was like for you and if you guys were friends and all that. Well, the, the, the thing that uh, Dwayne uh, did not really disclose uh, why he, he took the, the quiet uh, so he he just he didn't talk to hardly anybody, uh, but he he got out to practice and practiced and knew everything, knew all his formations, knew. So he was he studied his game plan, but off the field he he uh, something was bothering him, and uh, you know I I was his quarterback, and uh, we I tried to find out what really bothered him, and uh, and. He, uh, but he he performed the whole year. I mean, he he wasn't a problem at all on uh, going out on the field. He was one heck of a football player and they had a great Super Bowl. But he wasn't communicating with uh, with m- most of us, and uh, and Coach Landry uh, uh, was disappointed in that. 
So you certainly <clears throat> went through some weird times too early, where yeah, Dan White Way is it's a, this is the weird period. It's what's that? That's this is the weird 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 period show. On the, no, no, no. I'm just saying <laughs> early early in your career is very weird that you would actually shared time with Craig Morton. Uh, who I guess you celebrate a birthday with too, right? Yeah, that's that's same, yeah. that's very odd. But didn't you have a game where you would? Did you alternate yeah. series or plays or? Yeah. What was that? It was against the uh, Chicago Bears in '71 season. We were we were alternating games, and then uh, we alternated uh, against the Bears uh, plays. Yeah. Every play. So you'd be on the sideline. I would take the play, and yeah, and that's that's the. Uh, that's right about the time that Coach Landry had the, uh, the I think he had a, 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 a difficult decision to make. And, and so he went back and forth and, and decided uh, we were sitting in, in the team room when he told us. When he, 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 just, he, he said, uh, we got two quarterbacks and we're going to alternate them. Uh, and then Craig looked at, I, looked at each other and we said, gee, did Coach Landry have a stroke or something. Or whatever. <laughs> what, what, what just happened? But that's what happened. And and because the team the team really was divided. That I I would say half the team wanted me and half the team wanted Craig. And Craig and I got along too under the circumstances. And uh, and but Coach Landry, uh, I, I I think that was uh, the uh, the problem was that the quarterback uh, is is. Is a leader of the team, and, he, he, and we so we had a divided team on who should be the quarterback. And if he would have started Craig uh, and not me, we would have still been successful and just as successful. Uh, so, but he, he and I got the chance. I mean, I I, I did think he was going to choose Craig, and uh, and so I got a chance to, to start the rest of the season after that. Uh, after we were four and three, and we 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 really had a, a great finish and we would have had i think a, a great finish too if he would have decided that craig is but you, you had to choose one quarterback he couldn't uh go with the two of us after that one game he decided this is after the silly. One, one game yeah they so we we start alternating games of the, when we the, for the first half of the season and then the last game um we were uh we alternated actually plays that's right so that's your mvp year because yeah. I, I well, thought you won the MVP in '71. Yeah, well, we we ended up we won ten in a row after. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that'll do it. Yeah, that, I guess. <laughs> but but uh, again, we would have we would have been He's successful. We would have been successful with Craig too. The problem was, you had two quarterbacks at the team. Both, I mean, a lot of the team wanted Craig, and a lot of the team, I think, wanted me, and and we, so they both liked us. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, the team liked both of us. But it doesn't work to have two quarterbacks. See, I wanted to go back a little bit even before the Cowboys, but post-Vietnam, I read somewhere that when you got back uh, in Florida that you were playing, I don't know if it's like a semi-pro type situation. Is it the Gosh Hawks? Yeah, the, the, there was two military teams. There was the uh, Quantico Marines and the, and the Pensacola Navy Gosh Hawks. So I, I was stationed at Pensacola, and I'd meet in the afternoon. We'd uh, have the pilots that were former college players. And I was stationed there, so we we had a base football team. Was there a coach, and how did you <laughs> yeah, schedule? Yeah, we, we, we had a, had, had, a, had a, a couple coaches. A couple coaches were uh, in in the military, and the one coach was hired. 
and he uh, kind of organized everything. And we played like Middle Tennessee State and South Southeast Louisiana. We played some very good small colleges, and and we we had a we had a good team. We uh, had a and we played the Quantico Marines. And uh, are there fans at these games? It just sounds kind of barn. Oh, I love yeah. that barnstorm type yeah, feel. To yeah, it. the mil- the military had uh, back back in the old days. <clears throat> there was a number of teams, but it got got down because of Vietnam. The Pensacola and Quantico, and then eventually Pensacola faded away, and so did Quantico. So true or false, I also read somewhere that since you'd already been drafted by the Cowboys, that you might have had the Cowboys playbook. Well, the last year I went to training camp, I took leave and went to Cowboy training camp for two weeks, and uh, Coach Landry let me take the playbook back with me. Middle Tennessee State was not ready for... <laughs> uh, so we had we had a few good plays out of the Cowboy playbook, yeah. <laughs> So back even when when you were drafted, did you watch the draft or was it tele? It certainly wasn't televised. That was the dumbest question I ever asked. Were, were, the other draft was televised. No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw in the Washington Post the next morning that you were drafted by the Cowboys. They, they just had a little blurb in there that the Staubach was drafted uh, by Dallas and Kansas City. They didn't call you. <laughs> No, because I read it I was drafted day. late. If if I was eligible, if I would have joined the team, yeah. Then they, I'm sure they would have, uh, they would have called me and everything. But they knew I had five years left in the service. Wasn't it in the middle of the season too? Wasn't the NFL draft like in yeah, November kind of, or something? Well, it's it's kind of at the it was uh, yeah it was during the season yeah yeah. Well, it was towards the end of the season, I think. Yeah, so, but I, I mean, it was a, a non-event because I had time left in the service. So it uh, the way it turned out though, I was glad that uh, I did make a commitment that if I if I ever played again I'd play for Dallas. Well at the beginning of our time I said I hope we enjoy this. I did. <laughs> I don't know uh, if this has been a huge waste of your day but uh, I appreciate you coming over Let's here. Bring up bring up the old days, Dan. <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's fine. Fine. I I think my memory's correct. Well, great to see you. Uh, thanks for coming by again, Jeff. Good to see you. Good thanks. times. What, yeah. I got one Remember question the super, for you. Remember the uh, quarterback bowl? Go what, ahead. Oh, yeah. What is with the switch from Sports Radio 1310-967 FM? Oh, we are. Just that at Now time. it's 1310-967, you know. It's just marketing and labeling, just, and it's okay. just part of the— Th- threw me off. I started well, hearing mo- it in the morning. <clears throat> I think, to tell you the truth, I think it is that most people listen on FM nowadays, Jeff. Don't Got know it. if you. Uh, I'm the app. wave of the future. I'm an app guy. Yeah, yeah. and so, a lot of people listen to the app yeah. too. But um, it's just that they've determined. Yeah, thirteen ten is kind of you know it's where we started, so they're keeping it in the name. But I yep. believe it's just a just in the marketing. It's a weird thing that it's in your brain. It sounds weird, but I'm sure that after a while it'll be fine, right? Yeah. Just like anything. Just, we sort of do what we're told. Like this whole Dan, yeah. and, <laughs> Dan and Jake thing are pretty different than Bob and Dan, right? So. I like it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for stopping by today. Thank you, Roger. 152 Thanks. on the ticket. Elbow bump. <laughs> now for DFW Sports Today. Let us dive into DFW Sports Today. We will cover the Dallas Stars as they're in a bit of a tailspin here. Or a rough patch. Uh, we'll get there. Um, but where are we starting, Jake? Start us off. All right. So we've had some movement on the deadlines. Um, as of Right now, the new deadlines are Saturday night at midnight Eastern, so 11 Central, is the deadline for players to vote on the proposed CBA. Two days after that, March 16th, 11 Central, is the deadline to use the franchise or the transition tag. 
So in the Cowboys situation, let's say that today, out of nowhere, they decided to put the franchise tag, the exclusive franchise tag, uh, which is the one that typically you only see quarterbacks or Le'Veon Bell get on Dak and the transition tag on Amari. And then the players voted to um, accept the proposed CBA. They would have to rescind one of those tags. Under the current... So now they can get that player vote before the deadline. And they'll know, do we have one or two tags to use? Exactly. And really, it seems like nothing is going to happen one way or the other, uh, whether it's long-term, whether it's franchise, whether it's transition, whether it's Dak or Amari, until um, we know what's going on with the CBA. And I again, as we've talked about, I, I think it's fascinating. Um, Ed Werder tweeted out this morning about an hour ago, my sense from speaking to Cowboys sources, team is working hard to reach agreement with Amari Cooper and that Cooper and his agent seem motivated at the moment to get something done. To me, present indications are he could be signed before quarterback Dak Prescott. Uh, Prescott. That and means we've got that franchise tag for you. Exactly, yeah, to, to negotiate with Dak. And I, and I guess I just want to bang the drum one more time that if they're so confident that they could sign Amari Cooper, um, it seemed like they were pretty confident they could sign him even if he were exposed to the open market. And that all indications from Amari was that he wanted to be here, and the Cowboys thought, well, we're going to use the franchise tag on Dak. Jerry's been pushing hard for this new CBA to be approved, right? We've been playing audio for days about how Jerry's saying, hey, it might not be great for for the Cowboys, but it'd be great for players, so please approve this, please approve this, please approve this. <laughs> never believe someone if they say that, right? You never, I, This I, might I not be great for the Cowboys. Come I, on. I definitely don't believe him, but I would say in the short term, it would make it in a, in a vacuum harder to keep Amari and Dak if the CBA is ratified by the players. But if it is, and they're saying, we think we can get a deal done with Amari even if we only have the one uh, franchise tag, be it exclusive or non-exclusive for Dak, and it would be exclusive. Again, that pays more, and it means you can't negotiate with any other team. There's no two-pick trade, two-first-round thing uh, for Dak. So my thing is, if they're so confident that they can sign Amari Cooper without having to deal with the tag to extend talks, and they think they can sign Dak Prescott right now, or before July 15th when a tag player has to be signed long-term, it is lunacy that they are just letting Byron Jones go. If they had just done one of these pieces of business last year, as a fan, I would feel a million times better going into next season. Now, perhaps, like me, you didn't fully come around on Dak until this year. And year four was when you said, all right, this guy's more than just a bus driver This dude can be the engine of a very, very good offense with his arm, with his legs, with his decision-making, all of it. So let's say they didn't know that until this year. Okay, grant them that. Everybody knew what Amari was when they traded for him. Everybody knew what Byron Jones did in 2018. They created this situation where they are reliant on the tag and on letting a guy walk. And I would reiterate... We know not only that the cap has gone up $10 million a year the last seven years, but that somewhere between 2021 and 2023, when the new TV deals are signed, there's a chance we may see an NBA-type situation from three or four years ago. Jeez, I guess it must have been four or five years ago now, where the cap went up 
thirty percent in one year. That's the year that that's how Durant was able to go to Golden State, right? Because exactly. all of a sudden everybody had a ton of money. Yes, and so if you know that that's probably coming, and I don't see how Jerry would not see that quibbling between fourteen million and sixteen million for uh, Byron Jones is insane to me. But let's say. Let's say that they had just done one of those things, like signed Amari, way before now. Then they could at least put the transition tag uh, on Byron Jones, or they could have uh, put themselves in a situation where they signed Dak before the year. It just, I guess what I'm saying is they had plenty of mechanisms present for them to keep all three of these guys and do it in a way that is not going to just completely kill them for years to come. Yes, they'd probably have to do a little bit of funny money and moving things around, and that's one of the things about the CBA as it relates to Dak's contract. If you're going into the final year of a CBA, any new contract signed cannot have more than 30% increases by the year, right? So Dak's contract kind of needs to be signed after this starts, the new CBA, so that they can build in like, we're not paying you a ton of this base salary money in the front. And they wouldn't necessarily be able to do that if he was signed today. It would only be able to go up 30% by the year as opposed to, hey, here's some kind of fake number at the beginning of it. We're, your, your money's guaranteed. You're going to get it. You're just not getting a base salary up front. You know, they do that all the time, right? Like, I think Zeke's base salary last year was still tiny. But... Everyone seems resigned to the fact that, okay, we can we found a way to keep Amari and keep Dak. It's going to be okay. But I guess Byron Jones is just a cap casualty. It did not have to be that way. And I think there's a pretty good chance that next year their offense is really good again. Maybe they go from being this fifth or sixth best offense to the second or third. Or maybe they just stay fifth or sixth. But if they're still getting lit up through the air because they're starting a rookie first, a rookie second round corner opposite, you know, Jordan Lewis with Xavier Woods, Jeff Heath, and another rookie behind them. Think back to how bad they bungled this situation. Not only with what they did with Zeke, but with how they waited this long up until the deadline, not only of three players' contracts, but as their deadlines butted up against the end of a collective bargaining agreement, or at least as the owners are making it seem the end of it, right? Technically, they have another year, but with all the things that are triggered by going into that last year of the deal and how that changes the way you can negotiate, nobody should have seen this coming more than Jerry and Steven. And I think they're going to pay for it. I think they're. it's almost 100% that Dak and Amari are both here and that both of them are signed long-term by the middle of the summer and they're both at camp, etc., what do you mean that they're going to pay for it then? By losing Byron Jones? By losing Byron Jones. Uh, and maybe you could, there's some other things they could do, like Darius Slay, Lions Corner is available. Maybe they could make a trade for him. Although, to me, it's just like, why not just keep Byron at a slightly higher number? Um, if it ends up costing them someone like Robert Quinn, and maybe in their mind they're thinking, we'll let Jones go to keep Quinn. But I think the calculation of we'll just let secondary walk so that we can keep somebody opposite Demarcus Lawrence doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And so we're now at the point where 
It looks like Dak is going to be signed. It looks like Amari's going to be signed, and it looks like Byron's going to be gone. I guess the questions now are, what are the numbers on those first two guys? Did you see the report that supposedly that Dak's agent wants, like he will settle for nothing less than the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And one of those reasons, I think we were talking about the other day, that he is a CAA agent. And that's a big Hollywood agency, but they do have a sports arm, which is pretty big. And this is his first sports client, this guy in particular. So he's trying to make his name. The quarterback of the Cowboys is his first client, no less. Yeah, so he's not trying to make his name by saying, oh, I negotiated a team-friendly deal. Like, he doesn't need any bad... He needs a huge deal. He needs it to be eye-popping. And Dak is probably thinking, well, do your job. That's your job. I do my job. And I've been the most underpaid player in the NFL for the first four years of my career. There's not an argument anybody can mount, right? No doubt. He's a fourth-round quarterback who has started like every game since he's been drafted. And done very, very well. So... You think about Goff or Wentz, well, they went number one and two in the draft. They were getting paid pretty good money. Not starting quarterback money, but higher than like anyone else in the NFL. They're, they're, they're doing great. So they're not owed any back money. Dak might be thinking, I'm owed for the past few years. And that's what his agent is thinking. So I'm not seeing this thing signed. And I think we've talked about it, too. They might as well just say, all right, $37 million. Let's just get it done because in three years, you're going to look at that and go, wow. That's awesome that we got him for that number and for this long. Like, all of these contracts seem to look good after a few years. He's been better than Goff. He's been better than Wentz. He's signing later, obviously, at a later date than both those guys. But is there a way that maybe they can keep both sides happy? And then also, let's make some predictions on whether or not this thing passes Saturday night next on The Ticket. All right, Jake Kemp, Dan McDowell. We're not only on Roney Watch, we are on DFW Sports Today Watch. We'll talk some stars here in about 15 minutes. Uh, But this is all coming to a head in the NFL as some dates have been moved around. But Saturday night, the players will vote by 11 on whether or not they will approve the proposed CBA Deadline for franchise or transition tags the next Monday. Free agency would begin a couple days after that. As we said in the first segment there, uh, it seems just fait accompli that the Cowboys are going to lose what was, in my mind, the most underrated defensive back last year, period, but definitely on this free agent market. I'm sure he'll end up in Philadelphia. and uh, really. So were all his dr- like PFF grades great and all that? Because he didn't have a lot of... I've seen criticism of Byron Jones is no interceptions, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and if you, I, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna keep the tradition of this chair up and tell you that just looking at PFF grades is not, a, especially for. I DBs. just mean any. But if you look at just the numbers, like there's what some he, metrics, yeah. what he gives up when he's targeted is very, very little, and probably the only thing you need to know is he's barely ever targeted. He is rock solid. And he probably is going to make top of the market money, but that's a difference. You know, the reports were the Cowboys would only go to 13 million, and even they were a little uncomfortable with that. You could almost certainly get that done for 15.5. And I'm telling you, man, there's a day now where you're going to be thinking, boy, the cap just went up $30 million. How did we quibble with any of these guys whenever we were in the prime? 
of Dak and Zeke and Amari and still had some of the O-line and D-Law's career, they should be pushing all the chips in. Doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Um, does seem like Dak will probably be signed uh, long-term, whether it takes a tag first or not. And I wanted to run this by you. On one hand, you're right that his new agent, Todd France and CAA, want an eye-popping deal. They want him to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. And I think you know, even the offers that have been bandied about would make him that. Around 33, 33.5. But for total guarantee, Goff's at 110, Wentz is at 107, Russ is at 107. Reportedly, the new offer is a little north of 105 guaranteed. My thought is, as we've seen this sort of become the trend over the last few years, and it definitely goes against the way the Cowboys like to do business is, if I were Dak's agent, I wouldn't sign a thing over four years. For the same reason that I think it's crazy because for the Cowboys. Because this TV not, money can go crazy. And- yeah. I mean, you're going to be under... It's like a car, kind of, right? That old adage that a quarterback, if he's worth his salt, you know, he's a top 10, top 12 type guy, he's probably going to be underpaid in two years under normal circumstances. Well, what about <laughs> if we see this explosion in the cap in a few years? If Dak signed for 36, you know, and it's four four years, something like that, 144, whatever that comes out to, there's a real chance by the third year of that deal that he's like the 10th or 11th highest paid quarterback. So what does that do if it's year five? Because that's what the Cowboys do, right? Whether it's... Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, Zeke, Tyron, six-year deals. But if I were CAA, I'd be thinking, eh, once you guarantee 80% of four years at $36 million and we'll talk again, and that to me might be where the Cowboys are saying, uh-uh. If we're giving you that much? We're not interested long-term. in making you the highest-paid quarterback and letting you potentially walk in four years. So... I think there's a chance we end up seeing that be the sticking point, and maybe it ends up at five, but I would be very surprised if CAA has him locked up for six years. I certainly want a... I value a uh, ferocious pass rush more than I value shutdown corners. Um, And so that's where I'm going with saying, are they focusing on making sure they sign Robert Quinn instead of Byron Jones? Because that's a name I haven't really heard You've heard the three big names, Byron Jones, Amari, Dak. I feel like Robert Quinn is going to command in the $10 million range. Yeah. And are they just letting him walk? Man, if they let Byron go, they've got to make a play for Quinn. I mean... I I, I, I totally think they can't lose him. Right. Yeah, I, uh, probably it's more shutdown just... shutdown corners that- can get beat if a, a quarterbacks have all day to throw. I, I've, I, I just feel like that's the key is hurrying quarterbacks, even the best quarterbacks, will look bad if they are under pressure all day. And I can't see the Cowboys. Like, where would they have been last year without Robert Quinn? What a lucky grab that was, right? Keep going. Maybe even Michael Bennett, right? Well, and Michael Bennett, I think, would demand a lot less on the open market, but I really like him as part of their rotation. Probably the reason you don't hear as much about Quinn is because we really only have so much attention span right now, and we're already talking about three other guys. I think you'll hear Quinn's name next week a lot. Well, but, someone's going to offer him something. Right. 
I guess like my I would rather would get be, him locked up before he hits the open market. My thought just for their team would be, what do they have in the cupboard? All right. Well, I've got to Marcus Lawrence. Now, I'm not saying that means I don't I don't want Robert Quinn, but what's behind Robert Quinn might be a hope and a prayer that Randy Gregory's reinstated. Who knows what happens with Tyrone Crawford? Maybe you could get Michael Bennett cheaper. Maybe you're bringing Malik Collins back inside. But what's behind Byron? I mean, they have nothing. Nobody feels good about Cheeto. Maybe you could kind of squint and see Jordan Lewis. But he's free after that, a year. I mean, I don't think they have a corner on the roster right now that's signed after next year. Like they Arguably, if they lose Byron Jones, we'll have the worst secondary situation in the whole league. But they've pretty much already publicly said they're going to lose Byron Jones. So that's why I think maybe they're involved in a trade, something like that, uh, for to, a guy who's pay, on the last year of his deal, like Darius Slay. But yeah, but to pay somebody highly, yeah, it might as well just be Byron Jones if you're going to do that. That's what I would think. Uh, no chance that they would decide with the emergence of Michael Gallup that he can become our number one. We let Amari walk, and we uh, can address that in the draft. If I were, I feel like they've at least publicly said that's no chance. But if I were in charge, but it seems like something you, day, should, you should really look at. Without a doubt. This draft class for receiver, Byron already proven. It's a first-round pick that worked out for you. Cheaper than a receiver. No depth at corner. A little bit of depth at receiver plus the, the, the depth in the draft. I would be biting down hard and having to let Amari go. None of these are great options. And again, none of them will come down until the CBA is voted on one way or the other. Um, and I just, I've, been, I've become really interested in this, and I think your initial thought was there's no way the players will accept this, um, and it was all about the 17th game for you. And I guess I had just kind of been beaten down mentally into, well, whatever the owners want is what they're going to get, and that's just the way life usually goes. But the more you see this thing broken down, you know what? It really is a bad deal for the players, and not just... J.J. Watt, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson. I just read this thing that you uh, provided with me in Slack. Whatever Slack is. Yeah, it's uh, Eric Reed, the safety. Why don't we carry this over? Because I, I think it's pretty fascinating. Okay, let's yeah, not, good deal. Let's not try and squeeze it in here. Next. Yeah, we got that game on the ticket tonight. I implore you to do what I do. Is I like to watch it on TV. I'll turn down the sound on the TV, and I turn up the ticket. You gotta sync it up though, but uh, it's, it's, it's well worth it. it. Yeah. So, if you like the Dallas Stars, Julie, we have some hockey talk for you today at two ten. Oh, nice! I'll I'll be here. Let's call it two thirteen. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> you know, oh, we'll get to you. Um, but let's continue our DFW sports today, which seems to have weaved its way from Dak and Amari. And Robert Quinn and whatever. Byron. Byron to the CBA. And I suppose there's a huge tie-in of all this, right? If they ratify the CBA, that means one thing as far as the Cowboys are concerned. And if they don't, that means another thing. I guess if they don't, we have a better chance of uh, keeping these guys together. Better short-term, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least on the Cowboys' terms. <laughs> right. Um, so it, it's hard to keep track in my mind what I've been told to believe by the Cowboys and what I actually believe because I've read things on both sides. 
Um, the important thing to remember is, no matter which side you're on, it didn't have to be this way. <clears throat> That's where I'm planting my flag. As far as they knew when the CBA was up, they knew, they they knew had when these contracts were up. Did not have to be this way. How brilliant are Zeke's agents? Very good. <laughs> Show me the documentary they, that you were making. because They actually saw this. They looked ahead. And we're like, dude, you're going to be the man left out. And he absolutely would have. Yep. And sh- should have been. What if it was right now after the Super Bowl where two teams with spare running backs who performed pretty well put up a ton of points? Right, because he <laughs> did it right after Gurley signed. Right. And Gurley signed, and then they go to the Super Bowl right away, and Gurley was a pretty big part of that. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. And now, the next year, everybody's like seriously regretting the Gurley contract. Like, we would never sign that today. The Jets are regretting Le'Veon Bell's contract. We would never sign that today. The Titans are going to let the leading rusher in the NFL twist in the wind. They're hoping that they could franchise or whatever him. Zeke and Zeke read it as, boy, these guys really overvalue me. Or Zeke's agent said, the Cowboys are stuck in the past a little bit here. They're overvaluing a running back. Let's get it now. Two years out? Really? You're going to hold out two years out? And they said, we got to, we have to. And we got to strike while the iron's hot. And they're brilliant. So where did you get this? Um, I mean, I, I just read this thing that you provided to me that... I've been kind of looking for it for a while because reading a lot of propaganda that has seemed to come from the NFL, from the owner's side, is how good this uh, agreement is. The 17th game, it's going to be great for everybody. Um, the the extra playoff game, are you a football fan? Do you like more football? Hell yeah. Well, there we go. More football. That Saturday is going to be great, that first uh, playoff weekend. Go to Vegas. Uh, hey, you like pot? We're not going to test that much for pot. We're going to, like, they're only doing, they're doing a lot of things. So I've, I've heard a lot of the uh, great things about the CBA. But where is this thing, which is actually kind of taking a look at the other side, and it's very interesting. So where does Eric, that come from? Eric Reed, who was uh, <coughs> part of the kneeling campaign with Colin Kaepernick, he was kind of blackballed seemingly for a little while. He was signed by the Panthers, safety for Carolina, and he's been very vocal um, not only about the NFL, but the NFL's curbing of civil protests. And he tweeted out a letter from his law firm, or the law firm that represents him, Garagos and Garagos. And I don't know about you, but I've always kind of had a little penchant for the celebrity lawyer. Like uh, once upon a time, Alan Dershowitz was on the scene <laughs> seemingly every couple years. Uh, certainly Gloria Allred. Anytime there's... See, it seems like any time a woman is is wronged, Gloria Allred is there at the press conference. Mark Garagos has represented the likes of uh, not just Eric Reed, but Winona Ryder whenever she was stealing. Uh, Michael Jackson when he was charged with molestation. Uh, it's an insane wicked Jussie Smollett. <laughs> the guy's everywhere. Okay, and now he's representing uh, Eric Reed, and they put out a four page memo breaking down why this is, despite the small breadcrumbs that are being offered to the lower and maybe lower middle class of NFL uh, players, that this is still unfair beyond the normal unfair that you accept, that you expect a union to have to just, to, just take, you know? 
It seems so. Uh, he Well, so he goes over a few of the facts. Said, first of all, the executive committee voted no. So that's each team has a player rep. And they all get really comfortable with what these terms are. And then they have a full vote. And apparently they voted no overall. It was 17-14 with one, um, one person not voting. One team. Okay. But 17 voted against it, yeah. So fairly split, but still, at least according to this attorney, that in many situations that would have prevented from the proposal from even getting to the full membership vote. Right. Your like reps voted was, against it. If it was with the Teamsters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is going to a full vote. And the owners like that because... A lot of the benefits are very short-term for a lot of the lower-level players. So if you're a player who knows your career is only going to be a couple years, if you enact this right now, this can affect you right now, where your the minimum salary is $100,000 more next year. And it's like, wow, that would be great. I'm only going to be playing for three years uh, to probably at the minimum. I'd like to uh, get this money right now. I don't know what you have, but I've noted a few things in here. Um, It's a locked-in for 10-year deal. Locked-in. So right now, under the current, you're getting what you get. Now, if the NFL now starts to get more money from the gambling world, well, that is not written into this contract, so that will fall outside of the football revenue. You will not see any of that money. Yeah, I think it, it makes some sort of passing mention to, we'll work that out. Basically, they said anyway, we'll deal with that regarding gambling, which is going to be a boon for the NFL over the next 10 years. I wonder if the new streams like Twitter airing some games or, you know, Amazon or whatever we've just surmised could get into the game. You know, if they start doing some kind of a content deal with those, are those outside of this deal? What about a la carte pay-per-view? What if one day they have a deal where you don't want to pay for full league pass, but I want to pay nineteen ninety nine to watch a game that's outside of my region? They already don't share significant revenue streams that what? are like, you know, Jerry was famous for doing this with his stadium. And the luxury boxes and all that kind of stuff, that's not part of football revenue. <laughs> it's the TV deal, right? And the TV deal, as a matter of fact, as you pointed out a couple of days ago, that's used to be a 50-50 split. That's now like they get 47%, right? Or 48? Yeah. Where, you know, this particular attorney is pointing out, it's got to be 50-50. You, <laughs> you know, that's, that's your big thing that you should say that is it. Uh, and he he puts that in the sense that the owners have said the seventeenth game is non-negotiable. This is it, done. Don't talk about it. Well, then you should say that with fifty-fifty. That's it, or else we're not even going to talk anymore. But they have not done that. Yeah, and what they've done too. So say it's at forty-eight percent for the players. They say we could go up to forty-eight-five based on a quote media kicker. Uh, once TV rights get to this certain amount, we'll put you up to 48.5 from 48. So if... What they should do is say, no, we're starting at 50, and when the new media rights come in, we'll take 50% of that. We're not 
moving up to 48.5 of a larger pie. We're starting at 50, and whatever you make of the pie, we'll take half that. Let's say you do a terrible job negotiating with CBS, Fox, Disney, NBC. Okay, well, then we're still at 50. We're not reliant on you. You know what I mean? That's a very weird thing to to, to me to expect the players to accept. Um, but the, my main deal is the length. The length and the lack of an opt-out. I mean, just think about any P1's business right now and how much is changing, particularly if you're involved in anything entertainment or technology-based, which kind of sounds like a norm spot. Nobody has any idea what any of these things around us are going to look like in 2031. So to lock into a 10-year deal, especially in a content business, with no opt-outs, where your number stays the same the entire time, your piece of it, that is insane. The old deal, the owners, I believe, had an opt-out after four or five years, which they exercised. So if it was a 10-year deal that the players could, at three, six, nine, something like that, opt out of, that might be a little bit more palatable. But with gambling, with uh, the fact that the players wear monitors now and have tracking data that can be used in video games, it can be used uh, for other television properties, the NFL has a ton of other revenue streams they're about to tap into, and nobody knows what any of that's going to look like. I mean, would... Just ask yourself right now, would you sign a 10-year contract at your job right now? Most people would not, particularly when you know that you're in an industry. If you're not getting any escalators at all? None. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. And the fact that that's the part that the players are saying, we don't think that's fair and that they're being hammered on, even though it might help 60% of the league make a little bit more over the next few years, that's a that's a dangerous, dangerous uh you know, soul-selling type move. Along with them saying, like, non-negotiable, that 17th game, don't talk about it. They're also saying, take it or leave it. That if you do not take this deal, we're not, we're not, there won't be another one for you. So you're going to be costing yourself and your kids. Why don't you just take that sandwich out of your hungry kid's mouth? Because you will not, you will not get another sandwich after we offer you this one. Uh, this lawyer, at least, is saying this is a violation of the National Labor Relations Act. You cannot do that during negotiations. Don't be fearful. Uh, if this proposal is not accepted, negotiations will continue, and there will be a season this year and all that, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're not going to lock you out. That is not going to happen. I find uh, I find another couple little things. So you're saying 10 years is like your big thing couple little things in here are, one is the disability benefits being greatly reduced. You don't really think about this a lot. And it's odd because it's not a lot of, you wouldn't think this takes a huge amount out of the owner's pockets. But apparently, they're narrowing the definition of what disabled means, first of all. So they will have to pay less players. And... They're saying, like, if you got permanently disabled during on-field activity last year, that would give the player $250,000 for the rest of their life. Which seems pretty fair, right? (laughs) Your job has rendered you permanently disabled. You cannot do anything for the rest of your life. Okay, $250 a year. 
Especially now, in a job where the average salary is six or seven hundred, right? Like if that happened to me, I wouldn't expect two fifty for the rest of my life. But yeah, but based if, on your wage, yeah, and you're probably not going to get slammed by a microphone in the face or something that would not allow you to work because of your job. You may become permanently disabled, but if it's because of what you do every day, now they would really uh, reduce that to forty eight thousand a year for the rest of your life. So that's quite significant. So we're going to add another game, thereby making it at least slightly more likely that you get disabled for the rest of your life. And if you're lucky, your team will make the playoffs, and now there's an extra one of those too. We're also going to limit the scope of what we deem disabled, and we're going to reduce what we have to pay you by uh, you know, $200,000. Here's a little one too. Maybe we'll end with this. Uh, just another little tiny thing. Increase fines for holdouts and players who leave camp without permission. So that's obviously a <laughs> a uh, anti-labor issue, right? To just make it more fearful of if you want to hold out, because that's kind of the only negotiating power that players have right now once they're in this kind of deal. You know, if you do decide to hold out, it's going to cost you even more than it would have before. I don't know. I just thought pretty interesting the the look from the other side of the CBA. You've heard a lot from the NFL owners how great this is and blah, blah, blah. I kind of don't want them to approve it. I, I don't trust the man, Jake. When the man tells you, this is great, hurry up, sign it, Jenks, you're going to love it. <laughs> uh, the problem, I, though, I right, tend is, to not trust that. And, and I've learned from you on that regard as well, but the problem here is... You have a labor force made up primarily of 22 to 27-year-olds with average careers of two and a half years, right? That's very tough to play the long game and convince people in that situation that they should sacrifice anything for a kid who might be an eighth grader at, you know, Southlake right now or at Allen with NFL dreams. And that's that's and always that- been at the heart of the NFL's lack of negotiating power. And for that 25-year-old to uh, be listening to Aaron Rodgers or these guys who are making $20 million a year, like, dude, you don't understand my problems. And there's something to that. And the owners know it. Bad Radio Talk's Des Bryant. So we're always interested in what is Des Bryant up to. Will he be a Dallas Cowboy? Time will tell. Maybe. Jerry has not ruled it out. It's just to see how... You know, got to get the CBA going. Got to get the NFL draft under our belts. But there's a fair chance that Des Bryant will be with us in California for training camp. By the way, her training camp might start a little early again this year because uh, for some reason the Cowboys are in the Hall of Fame game. And that game is scheduled for August 6th. And generally, training camp starts about two weeks before their first game, whatever the Cowboys' first game is. Hmm. And often that's later. See, I was so, thinking of it from the standpoint, I, I don't know if it would start this year or not, but from a show standpoint, there's going to be more off days at camp, I think, if the CBA goes through. Off days for the players, yeah. I think so. No off days for us, though, bro. Oh, hey. We're out there creating content. Success is an There are no slow days. What did Mike Reiner say? There are no slow news days. Just Just, slow news people. That's right. I was more going J.J. Watt. 
success isn't own its least and rents due every day. Ugh. <laughs> tool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dez is not just working on uh, catching footballs while lying on his back and whatnot <laughs> that you might see him doing on Twitter. Uh-huh. He's also been cryptically teasing something. And that thing is called Society X. Ah, uh, okay. I think I said X-Society. Right. Well, you're getting your Mr. Robot stuff. Anyway, this <laughs> thing seems to me to be a mix between Mr. Robot and the Fire Festival, which was a very failed... It's hard to describe that in one sentence, right? Fire Festival? Unless you can take a crack at it, but... There's yeah, a great documentary on it. Yeah, so you know, just a failed music uh, getaway destination music festival uh, that kind of honey potted a bunch of influencers into throwing a bunch of money away. Big promises, yeah. uh, very small on the delivery. So it launched this weekend or just a couple days ago. I don't know. And Des Bryant very excited about it on the Twitter, and I wanted to just read you their welcome to Society X press release. Oh no. And then afterwards, I want you to tell me what this is. Welcome to Society X. We are a -a one-of-a-kind community that provides exclusive access to an array of luxury goods, services, and events. Society X was created to serve its members with the high-quality lifestyle that they desire and deserve. As one of the first members of our community, you are officially considered a founder of Society X. As a founder, you are entitled to additional benefits and perks. These will include an all-inclusive invitation to the official Society X welcome party hosted by Des Bryant and friends. Entry into a $30,000 giveaway, VIP and early access to all Society X events, individual video chats with influencers, and as, oh, and more. As a founder, you also have an opportunity to be of the first to participate in the Society X Referral Rewards and Compensation Program. As a thank you to our founders who help us build up our community, we will be providing rewards beginning with the first referral. We will even offer residual compensation for founders who wish to become even more involved in Society X. I'm going to pause here. Do you understand anything so far? Boats and hoes! Okay. Your first reward for referring a friend to become a member of Society X will be a diamond chain bearing the Society X emblem, custom designed by Des Bryant and valued over $10,500. This opportunity will be limited to the first 100 founders who refer a friend to join Society X, and this reward opportunity will close when that number has been reached. Additional details regarding founder benefits and the referral programs will be sent soon. Thank you again, and welcome to the most unique social community of the new decade. Uh, it sounds to me like a bunch of BS, but BS on top of kind of being in a country club, right? Where you pay a bunch of money and you get to be around other people that have a bunch of money and sometimes you get perks 
and cool stuff, but this is more of like a 2020, perhaps urban uh, take on the country club, but it also sounds like a scheme. <laughs> it sounds like a <laughs> incredibly scammy scheme. Yeah. If, um, you, if you click on the events, it gives you a Google calendar. Yeah, I'm looking at it <clears throat> on their website. All in New York, by the way. Right. And what will we be doing on this calendar? What's on the dates? Uh, tonight, uh, we have a French entrepreneur meetup at 44 Ninth Avenue. Next uh, Tuesday, we can dance with Julissa. This group meets weekly, and most participation includes conversational French. So you have to speak French to go there and just talk. Um. It kind of sounds to me like what was the precursor to uh, the Fire Festival, uh, Festival a little bit in that movie or in that documentary, right? Where Ja Rule had the deal where if you pay money, you can kind of come hang out at this space. I uh, I love when Gordon does the business speak buzzword segments. He did one either yesterday or Monday. You know the emails we get, mm-hmm. the synergy, and the we'll take this offline. <laughs> I'm a big fan of these type of things. Uh, let me see your deal there, and I'll point them out to you. Uh, space is a big one. Uh, exclusive is a good one. Lifestyle uh, is a good one. I like the fact that so if you refer a friend, and that means you're getting them more money, so it's a bit of a pyramid thing, right? But if I refer you, and you then write them a check, I will get... A diamond chain, like look at this shiny thing they're hanging as a carrot to me. A diamond chain bearing the Society X emblem, which I'll bet is an X. <laughs> you, you think? Uh, and guess who it's custom designed by? Des Bryant, world famous designer. <laughs> like, why am I saying, wouldn't that be like saying, uh, I don't know, um, Jim Fabergé is going to be uh, the third receiver on the Cowboys. Like, why am I excited that a football player is designing a piece of jewelry? And here's the value, Jake. Over 10500 So where do we come up with that? Because if we said 10200 you would scoff at that price and say, pfft. I'm not doing. I'm not doing it for a penny less than ten thousand five hundred and one. This is really, really kind of gross. Over. I think this not is ten thousand five hundred. By, by the way, and yes, it's just an X. It's an X. But in this photo, he has the the X chain wrapped around some money. <laughs> <laughs> it seems absurd. And, uh, apparently, yeah. How much money do you have to give to get this ten thousand five hundred dollar diamond? Well, it would seem that if it's Necklace. less than that. They may be taking on water soon, but the website is hilarious, like most of these are. The most so, uh, unique social community of the new decade. But yeah, it's... Uh, it's you know it's, what they're going to serve you with? The high-quality lifestyle that you desire and deserve. I've been thinking that. I've been thinking that. Oh, and here's another good one. you have not had that so far. Now, you have all this money laying around, but... You deserve more. You deserve Society X lifestyle. I might also deserve access is- to uh, what I would find at 44 Ninth Avenue opening Q1 eh, 2020, which is a co-working space. You like that term? 
You can, uh, if you're a member, you can go in there and co-work, which I think just means work around other people, which used to just be called an office. Yeah, I thought <laughs> that was working. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, though. I'm not an influencer. You know? I'm not a founder. Isn't now, that like WeWork? Yeah, kind of, I assume. If there was something in here about Dez's monkey, I might be in. Because I'd love a monkey, man. Basically, someone here has an apartment with no monkey, and they're trying to find a way that they can bring people together, you know, different verticals so that we can create. And if you create, you can be a founder and you can co-work and you can have a lifestyle in this space. None of it means anything. <laughs> well, uh, that's what Des Bryant is up to now. So you've been, you know, he's working out, but he's also uh, heading up Society X, if that interests you. Now for some stars talk. So, as Julie Dobbs told us in that ticker, Stars have scored one goal in three games. That does not sound like a winning formula. In fact, in those three games, they are 0-3. They've lost five in a row now. I think the two before that were in overtime. So, they did get a couple points. But two points out of five games does not seem like a way to uh, roar into the playoffs. They're still pretty good playoff wise, right? Yeah, they're like we're still locked in. Good. Can't we can't fail there? Okay, that's chill. not true. <laughs> we Guy, can't who, you not won't fail. you won't make a dare or a bet about Corona not for me God, in my life. No, I'm I'm now playing with the stars' life. They have a ninety eight point six percent chance of making the playoffs. They can't miss the playoffs, is what you just Ooh. said. That's what I heard. Okay. Anyway, they need points, brah. They need points. They need goals to get points. That's uh, one of my formulas. Hard to win a game when you score zero goals, and that's what they've done the last two games. What's going on? So that's what people are asking Rick Bonus. He had an interesting exchange with a female reporter the other night. Women's Day? And then I'm saying... Not a punchline, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) What? It's not. You and coronavirus, that's what Jake's Jake's just taking aim at. Those are funny (laughs) things to him. Come on. Anyway, he has an exchange about their lack of scoring, and then uh, just saw some charges that he's being a bit hypocritical. And he's saying two things on two different days regarding the stars. So I thought we'd just take a listen to it and uh, try and figure out what's going on over there. So this is Rick Bonus after their one nothing loss uh, the other night. Right now, it's a grind. Uh, the teams are, it's low scoring. And uh, you got to find ways to produce. We're finding lots of ways to produce good chances. And that's the most important thing. Um, uh, eventually, the puck will go in if we keep doing what we're doing. A lot, of, a lot of those chances seem to be from individual efforts. So, so what are you guys doing to create that or to add that creativity as a five-man unit when you actually are in the zone for an extended period of time? Uh, I don't understand your question. Okay. Um, it seems like a lot of the chances that we have seen are from a Goriano drive straight to the net, and then there's nobody behind him because he's he has the jets to do it. Um, but then, you know, the few times we saw, we saw 
you hit the offensive zone and you are cycling the puck in the zone, there's just no shots being generated at all. Well, if it's not there, they're not. You know, they're not. They're not going to throw the puck away. So we have to, we'll have to look at that. And, you know, it's it's a five-man unit, and if they're controlling the puck, then eventually you hope you get an opening at a lane, and if it's not there, it's not there. Okay, I got it. So don't just throw the puck at the net, right? Don't just give it away. You're yeah, cycling in zone. On her question, though, I think what she's saying is a charge that the Stars had against them, uh, Monty, I think, early in the season, would be it's his style with the defensive mindset and the style that they're playing is not conducive to it's 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 a low risk style but which is a low reward as well it's like hope for the good lane look for you know hope to get some good shots off yeah. but it's not it's not giving you more good chances when you play a different open up style you will get more good chances, but you'll also give up more odd man rushes, but it's it's a risk-reward type thing. I thought, so her question I thought was interesting just in the sense that she's saying, hey, yeah, you're getting some good chances because certain guys just have it, you know? Right. Like you're relying on breakaways and, and individual efforts yeah. to get that offense but instead then there's of no one behind them. team offensive game. There's no one behind them to get the up. rebound after they get a right. good shot or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so that's a that's more of an indictment of the stars coaching. Yes. That's which which we heard early in the season, and I believe Sagan even, while the guys never call out their coaches, they will intimate that yeah, things you know we we changed a few things up X's nose wise. Um, okay, and then like you said, Jake, then the message is kind of you can't just toss it at the net. You uh, you have to pass it around. You have to look for the right shot. And if you don't get the right shot, you can't just throw it at the net. Well, here's bonus uh, two days prior to that against the same team. They were shut out. So this was uh, at Nashville, though. And after that game, this is what he had to say. How do you look at the quality of your guys' chances tonight? No, no, no. <laughs> Nothing to get excited about, that's for sure. That was an easy night for their goalie. We had talked before the game about getting to the net, and we're still, there's, there's two things we're still not, we refuse to do, to get to the net and shoot the puck when we have the opportunities. We just, it's in their heads, they have to make an extra play, and we've been fighting with that all year to get it out of their heads. So right there, he's intimating they're passing it around and they're not shooting the puck. Whereas in the following game, he says, well, yeah, they're passing it around because they don't want to shoot unless they have a good shot. So that's good. It's almost like he's just being contrarian with each media member. To <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Is it to, to me, is it sounds less like uh, having no cogent plan and more like kind of being combative and yes, I've made a few International Women's Day jokes, <laughs> but in this case, I will be honest and tell you, my first thought when she asked that question was, she kind of poorly worded it, but it sounded like a really good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it made sense to me. But I think he me, was trying to deny her. Dummy, yes. And it sounded... Because it made him look bad, I think, as yes. a coach. And I, that's exactly the vibe I got from that, was not anything that what she uh, asserted was... St- strategically wrong that he didn't really want to deal with yeah. it. 
It was Taylor Baird from Defending Big D, and she definitely knows what she's talking about. Yes, it but you sounded... don't hear those questions often, right? right? Like, why is what you're doing as a coach not working? You why hear... is your philosophy wrong? <laughs> you hear talk about the lack of scoring, right? Not hey, here's some very specific things I've noticed. And then he gave her a "What do you mean?" because she might not have got there as quickly yeah, and as concisely as he wanted. You, yeah, a genuine "What do you mean?" I, I don't think he was trying to be like rude there, but but at the end, yeah. it kind of sounded like he's like, "Oh, what do you want to do? Just throw it away?" Whereas a couple of the days previous before, game, <laughs> he was getting combative with the guy who said. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty much saying, "Yeah, the guys are just passing it around, uh, not throwing it at the net." Or I mean, I, I, he was contradicting himself. Everybody's frustrated, days, right? He's frustrated. He doesn't have the answer just because you're the coach doesn't mean you're going to have the answer to everything. And when you're a hockey team that's not scoring goals, it's frustrating. But you're still relying on your defense, and that's what got them to this point. So what he's saying is like not too much has changed, and what we've been doing has been working. They were nine three and three in February. They averaged three goals a game. So. A little bit more than they're scoring now, but it's not like anything has changed drastically. You just have to take advantage of the opportunities that you're getting and get create better chances offensively. And you can really, I don't know, like unless you want to go rewrite everything that you've been preaching for now a few years, you just have to make those like capitalize on those opportunities. And that's kind of what he's saying. It's frustrating for fans, but if we score a few more goals and Everyone will kind of forget about this, and then we're still in a really good spot, and the coaching is great again. And they're yeah, probably going to be in a three-six matchup <laughs> to but, start. But the, the thought kind so. of is though that you're—it's not the coach's problems ever, though. Yeah, it's that the pa- players are passing it around too much, or, or it's the players are not taking good enough shots when they're just throwing it at the net. I'm merely a fan. But look, we we got no problem over here on the coaching side, so don't question that. So I yeah. thought that's, this that's was, the way yeah, I was. He, I was he reading could have this. like seen that side of it a little bit more, I guess. And, and sometimes, perhaps it might be the coaching. And maybe it's not that you have to throw everything away we've been doing for two years, but maybe actually make adjustments on the fly. Yeah. And I, I imagine we've, that NHL season is all about adjustments. We've seen like two extreme ends of the spectrum with the Stars team in the last six or so years. We saw the team that was able to score a whole lot of goals and, goals and always play to open up style of hockey. Wide open. You take your chances. You risk it, but you're able to score a lot. Now we see the exact opposite. I like that. Well, it's fun. I like that, and I think it, it kind of, you have to coaches go with Coaches don't like that. No, coaches like to play it safe, and that's what is not you just rarely hear about the uh, the championship team that said let's just let's just kind of be be conservative here. Let's play it real safe. And that's what the Blues did. They won the Stanley Cup last year. Like in hockey, that's usually what works. You have to frustrate the other team and be hard to play against, and then just capitalize on the opportunities you get. And that's what the Stars are trying to do. And maybe for some of the players, it isn't necessarily in their DNA. It's not their identity. That's what they're struggling with. And that's why you hear some frustration from the players. But the coaches just have, you. Would, it sounds like, they have this mindset that overall that's kind of what they need to do to have a successful hockey team. I just think it's odd because uh, you really have high hopes for them. They have the 7th or 8th eighth, eighth best uh, record in the NHL. And they have an interim head coach. So they're going to have another head coach next year, right? Likely, who knows? You know how doesn't that seem strange to anyone? Like you almost dash your hopes immediately. It's very odd. Your um, Is this team? A, do they have a chance? I don't know. If you have the seventh or eighth best record in your league, maybe you have a chance. Oh, we also don't have a our 
Nothing against We've also him. Been through a lot. It's just, yeah, but it's not over. Is right. what I'm saying like they have another coaching search. Who's the Vegas coach that got fired? Uh, Gallant, Gerard Gallant, not Goofus, something like that. Yeah, and he was doing really well. And now I think Vegas is like ahead of us in the standings with their the person that they hired after firing their coach. Yeah, well, but, which but, worked for the Blues also. <laughs> yes, uh, but number one, you can't nobody, try to make sense of any of it. Nobody here has kids my age, so they didn't get my Goofus and Gallant joke. But it was gold, and everybody's loving it out there. I'm That's sure. what I'm hearing from a lot of parents, a lot of girl, uh, lot of girl dads. <laughs> hashtag girl dad. But number two, I I just remember at that time. Many people say he's a great coach. Right. It was right around the break, so and they could have done it. They could have, if indeed your plan is that bonus is an interim and that's it, and he kind of knows that, he's a good soldier and stuff, he would have slipped right back into his role as assistant coach very easily. But apparently the Stars didn't want to upset the apple cart any more than had already been done with the whole, yeah. you know, Monty firing. And, Have a third coach in one season. And they, <laughs> they, could, they could go to regret that. I don't know. He also could still be available, right? He hasn't, right. hasn't been picked up, Gallant. Yeah. Right. And if if they miss out on him, you can always always sign up Goofus. <laughs> Killer tells a very curb like story. Well, welcome to show you number I mean. show number twenty two of the Dan and Jake experiment. Not sure how this thing's going so far, but you know. We live to fight another day. Got a little tray. Just trying to hang with you. <laughs> we are just trying to hang with you. And uh today. We are featuring Julie on the tickers, Mino on the board, and uh, as you probably can already ascertain, killer Jason Kellison is going to be our producer. Good afternoon, gentlemen. For today. And uh, let's see. I think we just kind of almost want to lead off with killer, if that's... A good plan or not, I don't know, but Killer was telling, starting to tell us a story in our meeting. I might say he was champing at the bit, as he was once upon a time on Black <laughs> Friday. And we but, all know how that turned out for me. <laughs> good morning, gentlemen. But I was the guy in the construction vest, the, the vest with a couple of those um, reflectors on him, you know, and the hard hat, and I uh, had the little sign that i can flip around and it was yield but then i turned it to stop and i put out my palm and said killer say no more whatever we had planned for 1210 we are scrapping that now i'm not sure if killer can land the delivery of a story like you know, words and putting them together so that you can understand them. That's called the drop third strike. But, that is my weakness. But I do know that Killer has the meat of a story that, that, at least in the meeting, sounded very interesting. And I think you would agree, right, Jake? This is a 50-50 thing, right? Absolutely, you, yeah. You weren't weren't thinking this is a bad idea, so let us give the floor to the Killer. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Jake. Uh, for a fireside chat. <laughs> was that real? That was real. Yeah, <laughs> it just happened. did it again. <laughs> and Julie's like, yes, she's uh, cheering. Uh, no, Back in it. December, I gave my brother and my sister-in-law 
tickets to a Mavs game this past Sunday night to go see the Pacers and the Mavs play. We were there! In the thought of, this would be uh-huh. a great double date. Women's I got night. tickets for them, and I got tickets for my wife and I to go to the game together. We were going to have dinner, drinks before the game, enjoy the game, just bond together as brothers tend to hang out and stuff, and we were like bringing our wives in. Is well, he like you? Is he like me? <laughs> yeah. I'm interested in knowing a little yeah. bit about the killer's brother. My my brother's a really shy guy. He's real quiet, real timid. You're extrovert life of the party. Oh yeah, I'm the I'm the extrovert of the family, definitely. Just you two? No, we have a sister. Why? What was the tone of that? <laughs> no, we have a sister. All upset. How old is she? She is forty. All right. Brother is thirty-seven. All right. But forty-year-old sister. Interested. Uh, go ahead. Getting I, back onto the story. Sure, sure. sure. Just want to get a little, little flavor of the killer <laughs> and, and how he grew up. Uh, your your age? I am forty three. Okay, so you're the oldest kid. I'm the oldest. Yes. The sister is the middle, and then then the your younger, younger brother. brother. Okay, and you're bonding with your brother was, at the. Uh, we're going to okay. bond with my brother and my sister in law. Double date. Go see the game. Had drinks before the game. Hang out. Well, my wife and I get there, and we go down to the seats. Because they didn't show up for dinner, so we're like, oh, they're just running late or whatever. We get there, we go down to our seats, and my sister-in-law is there, but she's sitting there with her father. My brother's nowhere to be seen. and we Her had father talked. would be no anything to you, not an no, in-law nothing at all. or... Just a guy. He's just, just some dude, yeah. Just a guy. It's your brother's wife's father, so he's some dude you've seen a few times. At the previous Monday, my brother and I had talked and confirmed plans to go to the game together and everything, so we're all good to go. Okay, five, six days prior. Five, six days prior. All right. Talked early in the afternoon, confirmed everything, gave him some good family news and everything, so he was really happy and stoked about going to the game and just going to have a great time. Well... Fast forward to the game, we're sitting there, I'm sitting next to my sister-in-law, and she's not really talking to me at all. I'm trying to start some type of conversation, figure out what's going on with my brother, where he's at, because I hadn't heard anything. She wasn't just thrown off by KP's shot? No, she was complaining. She was complaining about Mavs rebounding and all this other... Like, Did she say why they didn't show up to dinner? No. So they just didn't. They just walked up to the seat, sat down. She barely said twenty words to me the entire game. And you actually had like a table for four, and we had a table for four. We were ready, ready and waiting to go. I was willing to buy their dinner, going to buy a round of drinks. We're going to have a by you. You mean your wife's credit card? Yeah, my wife's credit card. I don't have any money. Yeah, (laughs) but so we're sitting there talking, and she's not talking to me at all. Matter of fact, her father might have said more to me than she did the entire game. Forward, fast forward later on the night, she sends me a text and says, thank you for the tickets to the game. We really had a great time. Have you talked to your brother? I'm like, no, I haven't talked to my brother. I was going to ask you where he was. She's like, well, you need to call your brother and talk to him. I'm like, okay. So I text my brother and say, hey, dude, what's up? Where were you? Didn't hear anything back from me that night. Uh Oh, on Monday afternoon. My brother calls me and says, hey, Channing called dad's phone. Well, he calls me from my dad's cell phone, by the way. And I'm like, what's what's going on here? He's like, hey, just to give you a heads up, Channing on Monday filed for divorce. So knowing... Yikes. 
but still use the still tickets use that you bought tickets. for your brother and yeah, her to, not cool. to come to the game. She used his tickets. She okay. used his tickets, but they had decided. You set it up as a brother bonding night. Yeah. And, and they had decided like you that. You didn't really invite her. You invited him and whoever he wanted. So exactly. courtesy. is a courtesy. They had decided not to use the tickets and that he would call me and let me know. Your but, brother and his wife had decided jointly, let's just sit this one out. Yeah. Let's not make so it So Monday weird. afternoon, he talked to you and, and confirmed, we were, we're going good. to the game, uh, we're going to have dinner, him, we'll meet you at yeah. such and such. An hour later, she gives him papers. And by the way, on Tuesday morning, she canceled his cell phone. So he couldn't even call me. Does he me. have a similar situation as you where the wife is kind no, of the breadwinner? It's the exact opposite, except for the one bill that she was responsible for was the cell phone. Yeah, I mean I could cancel <laughs> my wife's, right? Yeah. Or it's on our oh, I pay okay. it, she pays me and then I pay it together. So that's probably pretty common, right? Most people have a joint cell phone bill. Yeah, we for, s- we split our bills like who, I take Yeah, we do fifty fifty. We don't have joint checking or anything. We just I would pay like all to of back our bills up. together. So you pay the bill, and your wife will Venmo you money? Uh, you don't just say... Unless it's something we can pay on a joint credit card. We don't have a shared checking account. So we have a joint credit card. So but anything, why don't you just pay that bill, and then she'll pay a different one, And you, you, but you keep track of who's paid what? Yeah, pay like, each other well, back? I pay all of them. And then so that's the one thing I handle, is just paying all the bills, and I give her a monthly total, and then she just pays me. Like... Huh. We don't have a joint checking account. And some of them we just pay with our joint credit card. If it's I don't a, have a joint checking account either. But your but wife doesn't work, or she does, but she doesn't. You know, me and my wife are an equitable... You guys make equal amounts of, or similar amounts of money. Right. And so when we do... I would say half the stuff we buy is on the joint credit card, which we just each pay half of at the end of the month, right? So diapers or groceries or the uh, going out to eat, or going, on, uh, going on a trip together... That goes on the credit card, and we just pay. We each pay our half at the end of the month. So I just add up the bill total, and if she has to go do something that's like you know a few hundred dollars, and she doesn't have a joint credit card on her, I'll send her half of it. We pay for half of everything. Hmm. This is another topic for another day. Well, I feel like well, you guys have talked this about weird? this before. I mean, it seems weird to it's- me that I would say, "Here, I'll pay this two hundred eighty dollars cell phone bill if you'll grab." Uh, the gas bill for $25. I mean, it's just easy. I just pay all of them on one card, and then I send it to her. I would think this would work very well with your neat, clean line OCD-ness. And I mean, the real... I just the thing I, I, I don't here, see why she ever then pays you back. Just pay for it. Who cares? But it's half of her bill and half of mine. Like, her cell phone bill and my cell phone bill are on the same plan. Yeah. So why would I but pay... But if she goes out and buys groceries, does she give you a bill for half of it? No, she puts it on the joint credit card. And then we pay that together half at the end of the month. The goal here is that you don't, you want to try to avoid as much as you can something that I think happens to a lot of people in relationships, particularly when they're both working is a sort of a built up disdain for the other person because you feel like you're carrying more of your own weight. If she wants to go buy a pair of shoes or she wants to go pay for this or that or whatever, a workout class that costs way more than the one I go to, she pays for it. If I want to go on her personal credit card or her own debit or credit or whatever, if I want to go do something, then, you know, we split everything unless it's something for just one of us, because some bills are way more than the other. And it's just easier to have one person in charge of bills. I just pay all bills. I agree with every comment Julie has made, which is, hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> but we should get back to this yeah. because you're More going killer. to be on the show every day. Okay. More killer. Killer, though. Yeah, maybe. I'm if- very interested in what you're saying because I think it's weird, but maybe I'm the weird one. I will leave that open for possibility. Well, I think it's probably but, the deal that people don't usually have two people working at this age and having a baby, but maybe if Killer's brother had taken my plan under advisement, he'd still be married. Okay, yeah, so let's go back to Killer's brother. I am. <laughs> Alright, back to you. I'm sorry. She canceled the cell phone bill. She canceled the cell phone bill and basically... Kicked him out of the house. So now Tuesday, okay. So he's calling from your dad's he's phone. Calling, right. He's calling because he has no phone. <laughs> he has no right. phone. All of his contacts, all of everything. I'm going to add to the level of sorry here. By the way, she wanted to adopt a dog, a rescue dog, and oh, they no. adopted it, and it was her dog. But guess who now has the dog? <laughs> she doesn't want it. She didn't want the dog. She said, <laughs> "You can take the dog with you." That's awesome. So now he has the dog, has no cell phone, didn't get to go to the Mavs game, and had to tell me that he's getting a divorce through my dad's cell phone. This I is mean, sad. My brother. All right, let's let's go through it here. Really sad. I think first of all, my first uh, reaction is just it sounds weird to me that, and I guess everyone's relationship is different. Just like some people are like, hey, I'll pay all the expensive ones, and you can just pay the cheap ones, and that seems fair. Um, I would have been on the phone with him that night when he no-showed dinner and no-showed the game. Wouldn't I you? texted him and I called him. Oh, because his phone didn't work. It, well, I, I take that back. I did not call him. I texted him say, hey, what's yeah. up? And I know that he has to be at, at work at like four in the morning. And I didn't want to call him and wake him up just to find out yeah, okay. why he wasn't at a game. Yeah, that makes sense. And then he called me. But why did he not on. take the tickets? I don't know. Oh, you say they mutually decided they mutually let's not decided go to the not game. to use the tickets, and so but then she decided she you know faked what? him out. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him. <laughs> I'm gonna take my dad. At least yeah. it wasn't a new guy. Yeah, I'm trying to kind of support yeah. her a little bit that it was just old pops. But I'm sitting there Monday <laughs> night. Monday night, I'm thinking, yes, that's really sorry. Why you don't do that to somebody? If you go, if you're gonna do this, go through this whole rigmarole, you do not go and hang out with. The brother. The brother, the, the family of the guy you're divorcing. And not saying she and didn't not tell you, at all. she's just like, anything at all. we'll call him. Yeah, call him. By the way, you can't call him. I canceled his And you phone. paid for the tickets. I paid for the tickets. Or the wife did. Well, right. Yeah. Either way. But you guys have an agreement. Uh, it's like it's fault your side of, yes. like your brother's side of the family. Not you, had, you had mentioned something else in the meeting about, uh, like her Facebook handle or something. Oh, yeah. My wife pointed this out to me because i i have a facebook but i never get on it and she pointed out to me that part of her profile is she is killer's sister-in-law it's listed <laughs> on there as an identity. her identity is <laughs> she's gonna have to change up that is through you I, I don't think it's just that he, she has to change it what what was your comment dan uh-oh what did I say? Well, I mean, it would be one, it, that, would be one thing if it was like, hey, I'm, uh, you know, Al Michael's grandson. <laughs> yeah, like, but if you identify <laughs> as Killer's sister-in-law, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> what are you reaching for there? What? Wow, man. What rung to How'd your on? wife take this? Is oh, she my like, wife. bitch. Oh, yeah, exactly. I love <laughs> it. She is not happy. Matter of fact, she's like, can I... Can I go off on her now? Like, How'd your no. brother react whenever you told him, hey, they came to the game and used the tickets? <laughs> oh, I, on Monday when I told him, he was like, he had some nice words, you know? Just wow. kind of like what you just said, but a lot more colorful. And then, so you're the saying, chutzpah. he says, yeah. we're going to the game five days from now. We'll see you then. We're going to meet at dinner. So an hour later, 
how does she hand him papers? How does that all occur? I, well, doesn't somebody? She you was have at home waiting for him. Right? Oh, okay. She was waiting for yeah, him. He and I so were he both got driving. Home, yeah, he and I. And were both she in says, the car. "Hey, by the way, we're getting divorced." Yeah. What? Another thing I I just realized is why didn't my parents call and tell me what was going on? Yeah, I think that's they that, knew. They knew. Well, yeah, for I a mean, week. He got kicked out of his house and he moved in with them. Oh, and then they knew. And he's using my dad's <laughs> cell phone knew. to call me. Just love being around you guys. He's like, killer just can't take this right now. We're, we're going to dump him on it when it's all said and done. We're going to wait till next now. Monday. <laughs> Let's let him go to the game. Let's like, let him enjoy the game wasn't, and then we'll tell him what happened. Wasn't Larry's dad dead for like two weeks before anyone told him on Curb or something like that? And he missed this is- the- Missed the funeral. Well, it's somewhat like tell me. It's pretty important that I kind of need to know what's going on in my family. I need to know my brother's being divorced. Well, this is the nth degree of my. I do have a rule that if my a loved one dies, mom, grandma, whoever, at three a.m. Don't call me. You can tell me at ten a.m. Unless I'm able to go resuscitate them somehow, you know. If 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 you're calling me at three a.m., I better be able to do something at that moment. Mm Hmm. Why would you wake me up to tell me some terrible news? Now I'm awake all night and you've ruined my whole next day. Not I'll, my day will be bad already, but now I'm also uh, you've affected my health. Uh, noon, ten a.m. What if it's Jake that passed away the night before? Well, he Don't needs you want to know, know that. that? He needs, well, I need to know that as for the next time day's as show. possible to prep. Yeah. I'm envisioning a scenario where if Killer didn't have these basketball game tickets, he might not know now. <laughs> There's a good chance like I wouldn't just, know. Yeah, there's really no need for him to be aware. Uh, well, that's awesome, Killer. <laughs> Glad I could finally bring not, something to the show. No, that was good, Killer. That was good. I was going to say I'm sorry for your loss, but I guess you're, it's no big it loss. loss. It's nothing for you. It's I'm sorry that you had to sit at the game, not with your brother. That was really awkward. Sorry and, for Chris Stapps. Right. Oh, yeah. Sorry they had to mess it up for you. Finally, the Bachelorette finale talk. Okay, E! News, Jake News, J! News. Might be Jake and Julie News. I saw this Bachelor stuff all over. Hempstead. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All over internet yesterday, and I know a lot of people are talking about this, and you've been talking off the air about it. I know it's dumb, but I like trash television sometimes. also enjoy a good... You know, documentary. There's one on uh, on Netflix right now that I have to squeeze this in that I want you to watch called Night on Earth. And it is a nature documentary like we're used to, but all filmed at night using night vision cameras and thermal imaging. And it is badass because when we go to bed, the animals, a lot of them get up and they go do oh. cool stuff at night, like hunt. <laughs> And they look like ghosts because it's night vision. I like devil stuff like eyes. that. Yeah, they have devil eyes. But I also... Night on Earth? I, yeah, I, that's on Netflix. I also do like some trash television. I mean, Really, the only one I watch is The Bachelor and Bachelorette because it's a load. It's two hours a week. This week, it was a two-night affair each two hours. It's the end, right? It's the end. The finale. And uh, if you watch it for a few years, you'll figure... Not figure out, but you... you have a guy who or a girl who was a contestant who made it to maybe the final three or four the year before and they'll make it to the they'll be selected as the 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 bachelor or the bachelor for the next season so you kind of have a preconceived idea of this person and as julie will tell you i was a big fan 
of Peter the Pilot last year. Perhaps his biggest fan. When he was a contestant. Just seemed like a good dude. Mm-hmm. You know? In a sea, I, I in a never sea was of, sure. I just want to put it out there. I, I was know. never sure. And you were right. I was right. You were right. You should just listen to the woman <laughs> when it comes to evaluating that instinct. how people will behave. In Peter her. the Pilot is the main guy now? Yeah. He finished, what, third last year or whatever, although he did have sex with uh, the woman Hannah. who ended up d- dismissing him last year, Hannah Brown, uh, three times in a windmill. That was a big... Uh, that was a big story. Yeah. Guy likes to do it. So, it, it was curious when at the end of this year, when he had narrowed it down to just two contestants, uh, I guess really at this point it was three, that one of the women who was left told him in not so many words, hey, uh, I'm a virgin. She's very religious. And now we're at this point where there's only three of us left. And uh, this is the part where we usually sleep together. And as we played last week, she said, if you sleep with one of these other two girls, I'm probably going to feel pretty weird about getting married to you. And in the context of this show, that was viewed as preposterous. (laughs) But in regular life, you would say, well... Yeah, that seems weird that you would anybody would be okay. Like if with, you're on the cusp of marrying this woman for the rest of your life, and she says, "Hey, don't sleep with anyone," you'd be like, "I can understand you thinking that." Right, and I don't like think if it, I really exactly. am in love with you. Yeah, you, yeah. even <laughs> even if you kind of are in love with three people, you're kind of dating, but you're like, "But I'm in love with you for the rest of my life." Yeah, can, can you pe- not sleep with one of those other two though for the next? Make five out days? if you want. Make out, and these people do get married. Now, as an interesting case study, the bachelor, the male who chooses his wife, almost none of them stay together. It's a very, very low hit rate. The Bachelorette, however, when they pick a dude, about half of them are still together. Some of them, five, six, seven, ten, even the first one, 15 years later, they're together. Really? Doesn't usually work that way when the guy is picking, because he might just be kind of trying to get laid. Sean Lowe, one of the exceptions, he lives here in Dallas, and they have three kids now, but yeah, usually... Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Sean. Um, Usually the women, it just seems like, take it a little more seriously. They come to the show, they're ready to find love. So when the strangest twist ever, this woman who is saying, yeah, I don't know, I just don't know if I really want to have sex or don't really want you to do it if we're going to be getting married, she is viewed as in this reverse bizarro society world as like the scarlet letter. So much so... Like she's weird. She's weird that one of my favorite things about this show, because I think it's sort of relatable, is watching people have to introduce a new man or woman to their parents on television. And the dad's always like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't, I don't, you know, how could you really love her if you got four of the girlfriends right now? It's like, she's on the show. You knew she was going on the show. I'm trying to uh, imagine myself right. with a- some guy yeah, sitting there is a like, dude who, I just yeah. I have such strong feelings for her, but I mean, I can't deny that I also have these other four women. And he's like, well, I don't know about that. I just don't know about There's that. There's a whole formula for it now because oh, we see it every season. Super, it's like the super overprotective dad. Yeah. The oh, you're going to have to do emotional some con- mom. convincing of her father, though. The skeptical sister. <laughs> so in the strangest turn, when the dude this year has it down to two women, his, his parents are way out on the virgin. They're like, I mean, geez, that seems weird. You know, you're not that religious. She's a virgin. I mean, what are you going like, to marry somebody you haven't, haven't had sex with? with? And so when it's down to two, he goes home to tell uh, his parents what the deal is. And his mom kind of became the story of the show last night because she's bat s crazy, as evidenced by how she reacted to this. In the day, like, if I was happy and if I followed my heart, that that was something that you guys I know would, you know, back me up on and be happy for me about. 
and who is it uh, come on <laughs> um on the last day in australia i got down on one knee and i asked hannah and to marry <laughs> Point, I am. That's his mom. Yo. So they've all they've met the final three. Yeah. And so she's either happy or sad or whatever. She has her own pick in her head. Right. And she wanted no parts of the virgin. And that becomes. They didn't want him to marry the girl who said this is weird. No, because she right. wasn't like head over heels gushing over their son like right. this other one. They wanted this other one. She who actually was had her head on straight. Lay it down for him, if you know what I mean. <laughs> And they mentioned it several times. Your like, son to be happy. Seems, seems so weird that you would marry someone you haven't had sex with, son. Uh, which is just such an odd. Again, it's bizarro world. Um, and so when they do it last night, they're in front of a live studio audience. So the show is taking place, and then they're cutting back to a studio. You know, because it's taped or whatever. But in front of a live studio audience, they're reacting to what they see. And both women that made it to the final two are there. And so is the mom and dad. I'm familiar with this from watching a season or two of The uh, Survivor. They'll right. do that at the end. Okay, so mom is there. And uh, she is uh, she's not holding back. I think it is important that you guys... So this is with uh, the girl that he ended up selecting, um, kind of, in a roundabout way. The virgin, he ended up going to her. The other girl left. After he basically said, I'm going to propose to her, he did propose to her. Yeah. Then they have a month apart after the show ends before they come back to this thing last night. And in that month, she was like, this dude's a weirdo. I want no part of him. Oh. Like, he doesn't really love me. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> so the one he got down on one knee. Yeah. He proposed, got a ring. They're not engaged ring. anymore. They're no. not. Uh. So then they Who call the vir- they call you? the virgin back up and they're like, Chris uh, Harrison goes over hey, to her house. We uh, we know you still liked him. You were just kind of on the fence and you left. But he, this other girl left him. You want a piece of this? <laughs> so she comes back out and, and onto she, the show. She's sitting there on stage. Live. Boy, what live did they pay her with the mom in the crowd who she knows hates her? Okay. because she won't do it. <laughs> and so they're talking through how tough it's going to be. With this mom who hates the purity. I think it is important that you guys find your space and find your love. But obviously family is important. It's massively important. So, Barb, how do we turn the page? And, and Barb is the mom. So, Barb, how do we turn the page and, and give this a shot together? Chris, he's going to have to fail to succeed. That's it. Basically, he's got to he's got to learn that this broad is worthless because she won't lay it out there. So this for him. is going to fail. She's yeah, saying, right? This, he's got to fail. Eventually, he he'll he'll overcome it. Uh, Chris, all his friends, all his friends, all his family, everyone that knows him knows that it's it's not. You know, it, it's not going to work. So we've been trying to help him. Would we want it to work? I am telling you that I love Madison, and that should be enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Dad, what's your take on this? Okay, now this is important because Dad's sitting there and he is not saying a word because he knows, like a lot of dudes who have a crazy wife, I should probably just sit these next few plays out and let her. 
get a couple carries in. Yeah. Dad, what do you have to say? Listen closely. Dad, what's your take on this? So they're Cuban. Okay. And the mom turns to him and says, Dialgo Maltambien, Ayudame, which translates to, say something bad too, help me. <laughs> but she slips it in in Spanish, I guess, thinking that, I don't know, a huge portion of America doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't speak. Secret language. Dad, what's your take on this? <laughs> okay, honestly, I, I, I hate the situation. Yeah. And. It's telling to me that... No, I get... Dad goes on and kind of tries to be like, oh, it seems like they're having some problems. It shouldn't be this tough at the start. He's just trying to keep this beast next to him in check <laughs> who is cursing him to support her in Spanish like it's a code language after she already... The whole... And the other thing is, the whole episode, when they're actually showing him pick the other girl, then she leaves, they have a picture-in-picture uh, picture of the mom in the audience the whole time. And she's oh, she's coughing, rolling her eyes, looking so mom pissed the whole time. It was outrageous. It was a train wreck. So are they and I getting married? It. They said they're going to They're going to tr- take it a try. day at a time. They Just each have see. love in their heart for uh, each other. Yeah. That's all we really know. So what we might have is like the third time in 4 years that you start out with 30 people to be with one and then they kind of end up with none of them because they're like, this seems like a sham. And in this case, it was because the mom just could not conceive of the fact that a woman would not want to have sex with her son. You know, I checked out our Instagram last night and like the last two months have been pictures of Peter. I'm like Peter shirtless and Peter's bachelor promos. I'm I'm so proud of my son. Here he is. Like she's obsessed. Yeah, we got a weird mom on our hands. Yeah, real weird. And as I'm sitting there watching it, like I think most dudes who, if they watch this show, were like, oh, "I guess my mom's not so bad." Like this woman, <laughs> or you're like, "Geez, I need to stay off this show forever." Uh, we're all fearful of the mom. I think is the lesson that we got last night. Whether you're the woman or the son, just be careful. Awesome. All right, P ones. That's all for the podcast this week. Have a f- well, have a safe weekend. Very safe. Don't go, don't try to get into public areas because people are effing crazy. So don't, just just be, be cool. Be cool to each other, all right? And like that, we're ghosts. Jeff Catlin speaking. Hey, Grego, what's up? Hey, man, listen, I hate to do this to you. You know, I would never do this to you if it wasn't big time. I can't make it in the show today. Why not? Are you sick? Are you okay? Man, I tell you what. I, I, I Are you sick? Well, it's it's not a, it's not a matter of sick, man. Cat, quit off the sick, man. Oh, I, what's I just, it a matter of? Are, are well, you okay? I, I can't make it in. I can't make it in. Greg, you okay? Well, I mean, cat. I mean, you tell people long enough that horse crap is peanut butter, they're gonna eat it. You know what I'm saying? What? You know what I'm oh, saying, Ken? No, I do. Are you sick? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Listen, you're not I, listening to me. I you, can't make it in today, and it it's not sick, man. It's not a question of being sick. I mean, I could be sick or I couldn't be sick. I mean, I just can't let the door hit me where the good Lord split me. What? Have you talked to Reiner? Unbelievable. Have you talked to Reiner? Don't tell Don't what? tell Reiner I'm not coming in today. Well, what do you mean, don't tell Reiner? You he's can't your... tell Reiner, Cat. Listen to me, man. Grego, he's your partner. <laughs> just please don't tell him. All right. 
Fine. Have you talked to Bruce Gilbert? I mean, you need to call your boss and let him know oh, you're not coming. Oh, boy, don't bring Bruce into this. Don't let Bruce into it. What do you mean, don't bring him into it? I just he... don't want him to find out. I'll call well, him. Uh, i tell you what, I'll call okay, him. Okay, fine. Well, someone needs to let him know. I mean, he's the program director. Uh, oh, I just I can't come in. Is everything okay? I can't come in, Cat. Well, I mean, why not? The, the puppy faces have a deck of cards that can't make me fly like I used what? to. Are you feeling okay? They just can't make me fly in the poppy seeds what? with the pretty butter that do you need me to come and check on you, Grego? Are you okay? Cat, don't come out here. What do you mean? Don't come well, I want to come and house. check on you. Just don't come out to my house, man. Well, I'm telling look, you. What? It's all it's all the zebras with the roofing tiles. What? Cat, are you taking too much vigor fit? Are you feeling all right? Cat, listen. Call Goldie and tell her to call me immediately. I'm having problems. Well, right, Kat. I'll call Goldie and you call Bruce and Rhines. And, oh, uh, Cat, there's a big tennis shoe in my cheek. It's what? up under the skin, Cat. Grego. Cat. Are you going to be able to make it in tomorrow? I love you, Cat. I love you. Hello? Grego. Grego.